everybody. It's your old friend of Monday Madness, and welcome to the latest episode of the That Was Liquid Football podcast. Liquid shift football, more like. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> you, you took the words yeah. right out of my mouth. Um, so yeah, welcome along, guys. Uh, it's been another um, emotional time in football. Uh, I feel like every time we do these podcasts, it's like we just jumped into a different alternate universe of the same season. Like, I, I, I genuinely do believe, like, one in a week we're going to do this and go, so West Brom are top again, undefeated. Um, guys, your thoughts on Slavin Bilic's uh, Barney Army? It's like, no, it's, it's that, that is actually impossible. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it does kind of feel weird that way because well, while we've spoken to you, um, Liverpool haven't scored a goal. I'm not counting the FA Cup match because that was a travesty. Um, Man United are the top of the league and uh, somehow West Ham are seventh. So... I don't know which timeline we're in, but it's fairly close to the darkest timeline. Am I right in saying? Yeah, this is this is the maddest one. I have a feeling like this is a timeline written by like Neil Gaiman or something like that. And I, <laughs> like, it, no, it's it's just it's absolutely fucking mental. Like, it, it's just so weird. Mm. I'm not even shocked by things anymore. It's like <laughs> like Liverpool beaten at home by Burnley. I'm like. Yeah, that sounds about right. Whereas if you'd said that to me like at the beginning of the season, I'd be like, fuck off, get out of that alternative like universe in your brain there. You're yeah. I love the generalization. I don't know if you're just shocked by things. <laughs> <laughs> Those are very uh Philomena Kunk line. People yeah. used to be surprised by things. Yeah, but now the things. things the things don't surprise people anymore. Now it's thugs. Oh no. <laughs> Oh, it's, just, it's so it's so mad like and everybody's just going fucking mental like everybody's losing their cool mm. hubris is still a I, I my 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 season theme of hubris is still strong still alive yes. still fucking rocking exactly and uh, long may I continue with that regard um we'll start we'll start the part off by uh going down the the premier league and letting you know at this point in the podcast where the league stands because I guarantee the next time you listen to us it'll be completely different it will be just like change places Mad Hatter style so we'll start down the bottom the bottom three at the moment still stands as Sheffield United West Brom and Fulham uh, Sheffield United are five points um, so far this season just about 12 points from survival so you know whenever you're ready lads get on with it uh, Bromley and Fulham are a little bit closer in that regard, 11 and 12 respectively. Fulham have an extra game because of uh, the coronavirus. Uh, but again, it's they've kind of gone through like a rough patch of like Spurs, Chelsea and Man United games all in one go. So it's like, that's it's kind of good to get those games out of the way in fairness to them. So they might have a, a decent run in Actually, after that. They were, they were quite unlucky to lose to Manchester United. I think so too. To be fair, they were very unlucky against Chelsea. They were just a generally yeah. unlucky through that entire spot of the season like. Yeah, no, I, I just because they lost them. I mean, in all fairness, like when you say, "Oh, they had a bad run with Spurs and Manchester United and Chelsea," I was like, when you look at those results, like they drew one all with Spurs, yep. only lost one nil to Chelsea, and lost two one to Manchester United. Mm. So, like, I don't know. Like that's like they weren't tonked. You no. know, like people were, ab- people were expecting them to get absolutely fucking bummed, but no, like they only <laughs> lost, they only lost two of those matches by one goal, like mm, exactly. Um, and, and again, there is a lot, lot to like about the team. So I do, 
it depends on the teams above them in fairness but I, I, I reckon like if someone does trip up <coughs> Newcastle um, they'll be there to capitalise on it you know oh no, speaking no, of which I'm, hello <laughs> I'm still sticking with my prediction of Burnley fucking it because there's just I mean there's no goals there's just no goals there I mean, Imagine the historic importance of beating Liverpool at home and getting relegated. Like, <laughs> like, fun, like when you take in, because we said this in the last podcast that because uh, mm. I pointed them out, I was like, "There's no goals there. There's just no goals." Their goal against, admittedly, winning goal against Liverpool. That was their tenth. Mm-hmm. That they scored all season. Yeah. We're 18 games in. They've scored 10 fucking goals. Yang is joint top, uh, joint third for top scorer in the Burnley, um, in the Burnley team. <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> so like, it's just mental. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> as I said, we have the kind of the, the I suppose threatened with relegation is our Brighton on 17, uh, Burnley and 90 and Newcastle both on 19 points. Newcastle haven't won a game in like six now, I think it is. Uh, it's either draws or losses for them. So you can't blame all of them. Mostly losses. I think yeah. they've lost, in the league, they've lost their four of the last five. Yeah, yeah. And we will talk about Newcastle later on in the show. Ooh, uh, yes. I suppose the teams that are safe are, again, we, we mentioned them previously, they're still together. Wolves, Palace and Leeds United. Uh, Villa then are currently in the uh, bottom half of the table for the first time in a while. Three games in hand, though, so we'll see. We'll work. We'll we'll leave that there for the moment. Arsenal uh, have have uh, infiltrated the top ten for the first time this season since like whatever the start of it when you trashed Fulham. And um, Southampton and Chelsea are uh, joint eight. West Ham and Everton are both sixth, which is upsetting on both on several levels. To be honest, Spurs are fifth. Uh, on 33, a point behind Liverpool, who's currently it's, sit fourth. What's funny enough about like Everton and West Ham is they've, they've like, there's only like two goals in the difference. Mm. Like Everton are only ahead because they've scored one more goal. Yeah. So it's just mental. That's bizarre, isn't it? Um, it just goes to show you, you can take the Pickford out of Sunderland, but you can't take the Sunderland out of Pickford. But also, Everton have two goals and two games in hand over them. So that, that is true as well. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, you still might be able to Pickford up. And um, currently, <laughs> and again, to West Ham's knees. And, <laughs> and Jordan, Jordan. <laughs> yeah, who's that? Who's that? Uh, West Ham's match like thermometers again. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's a D up. I'd watch out if I were you, man. I'm just saying. Uh, so <laughs> top three at the moment sits uh, Man United top on forty, Man City on thirty eight with a game in hand, and Leicester on thirty eight as well so uh neil i think we'll, we'll start off as it were kind of set pieces here and talk about this supposed title race uh whenever you're ready like obviously um you know who's going to win from that right neil Help. well no it's like fucking wide open i've no idea who the fuck is going to win anything um ever <laughs> well thanks Neil <laughs> yeah it's just sorry i just no it's what's what's mental about the whole thing i mean Right, man, you are top of 40. I mean, like, eight, Chelsea are eight, and they're, they're 11 points off, you know? So mm. that's not huge. That's not insurmountable. But it's just, it's just how fucking mental. I, I don't need, I don't see it. The only thing I can see is um, the world will end if Manchester United win it. Yeah, um, I think we can hear that. This cannot happen. Ever. No. <laughs> um, so yeah. So 
here's <laughs> here's to be si- silently cheering on City and Leicester. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a weird dichotomy of it because, like, I I don't like Man City, but at the same time, I'm thinking like, I don't like Man City, but I really hate the idea of Man United fans for the next year if they do win it because they will literally never shut the fuck up about this. Sure, they're bad enough every time they win a game. Do you imagine if they get the fucking league? Oh, have you ever seen them when they when Liverpool lose a game? Holy shit! Like they literally just celebrated like Ali's won the Champions League again. Like, all right, lads. Doing bits is also really upsetting me. Yeah, it doesn't feel right. Very upsetting. Doesn't feel right at all. I mean, again, still nowhere near like a player worth what they paid for the poor fucker. But um, yeah, it's like um, he's after scoring a worldly goal against against Fulham, but that's exactly it. It's against Fulham. Mm. Like you know, he needs if he wants to live up to the re- reputation that his price tag like gave him, he needs to be in those worldies like against a Man City against actually good defenders. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I, he, I, I, he, I he stopped. He stopped. Uh, he stopped his dalliance with the fucking La Liga. Now that both Real and Barcelona are in the fucking toilet. Um, so he stopped going, oh, it's my dream to play for Real or Barca or whoever the fuck will pay me more money because he realises those clubs have no money. Yeah. <laughs> so they can't pay him. So he's <laughs> at the only club that can afford to pay him his inflated ego. So yeah. he's like, oh, when I'm here, I might as well do a football. You know? And doing a football, he is. <laughs> and and power, think- power to him. Yeah, well, the thing about Pogba is, I'm like, we never claimed he was a crap player. We just claimed he was a massively overrated egomaniac. Yeah. Never said he was bad. <laughs> he said he was bad in the terms of he was like it, it seemed like he was not putting in the effort yeah. to be or to be at his normal standard. It was almost like he was like in a huff and it's like, well, you want me to pass that ball? I'm not going to pass that ball. Then. I'm just going to do my own thing. And it literally felt like watching him, and I don't watch a whole lot of Man United matches because it annoys me, because they usually play really shit and then end up winning. I was like, why can't we do that? Um, mm. No, I'm never getting over the game. They beat us 2-1 with one shot on target. Yeah. I just, I'm just like, that's literally the most Man U fucking thing to do. And also, this Man U team isn't even that good. Like, I'm mean, like, if it was a team comprised, like, the team that had, like, a young Ronaldo and Rooney and were ripping up trees, I'd be like, all right, I'm fine. Yeah. You could kind of cope losing to those pricks. Well, but, my is being held as the next fucking Jesus. Like, the only, the only person on that team that's absolutely, that is actually properly really, really fucking good is Fernandez. And yeah. holy shit, he is doing a full-on Luis Suarez to that fucking mm. team. Yeah. Where, I, again, where would it be without Fernandez is would be a stat I would like. Um, like how many of his penalties or how many of his set pieces have actually scrambled a three pointer for them? I think I think someone ran the numbers on this. He is he is accounted for more than half of their goals, goals and assists wise. It is literally like a, a Louis Suarez effect for Liverpool. Okay, he really is, yeah. actually more. He's um fucking actually he's already set a record for like player of the month. He's gotten yeah. it like four, four months in a row. In a row. Yeah, yeah, so like, yeah, but and, then, um, and that's the thing like, it's, for us, um, Gabriel, uh, not Martinelli, the, the defender, one of the three, yeah, yeah, but um, it's it's really weird because uh, the comparisons to the uh, the Suarez and Sturridge season, um, for United are very obvious, and I think 
I, I can't remember who said it. I think it was Ken Hardy who said it on his pod, on the second captains uh, this week, where it is a case of like, it seemed like individual class has kind of taken over this season. And there's it, always the case where like, some kind of theme of, like takes over for like whatever, whoever wins the seat, the league, um, that's like the kind of the deciding factor. So yeah, like individual brilliance is helping in a sense where like teams that have like this regimented like uh, programs like pressing or the Guardiola ball or whatever it is, they're struggling because they never, they haven't been a chance to implement it properly. And now these like teams are working half mass and some, for someone's working for someone's not. Whereas with United, we just go, oh, Bruno's there, he'll do it. Our Rashford's there, he'll do it. Or Pogba's there, he'll do it. It's it's kind of weird how it's kind of worked the opposite way because when you think about like Spurs are kind of the same way with Kane and Son and Leicester are there with like Madison Vardy. But at least with Leicester, there's like a good balance to the team. It makes sense. And with United, it's kind of like there is somewhat of a balance there, but it's it's flawed as well. You know, it can it can be gotten to once just play teams like just hit them in the first 15 minutes. And I just I'm looking at them going like why aren't you hitting them in the first 15 minutes? Like it's, <laughs> did you not see the Istanbul game? Like fucking just go for them. Like they, they, they've, they've got a problem setting themselves up. Like they have to keep fighting from behind, you know? Um, so I, I think that I, I think we said it before, but like, you know, are up there. I don't know if I can call them title challengers yet. I want to see what they're like when the Europa League kicks in and see how they do. Um, yeah. That's that the side factor there. Yeah. Yeah, because that that team's not got that squad's not got a whole lot of depth. Mm. Although, to be perfectly honest with you, like the only squad up there that's got any kind of depth is cities. You know, yeah. I mean, Manchester United—they've not got really a good bench. Mm. Um, even though, like, it's probably worth <laughs> close to one hundred and fifty fucking million. Uh, Leicester have nobody really to back up. Like, they've very yeah. few fucking the, the backups they have in defense are like. Morgan, who creaks when he runs, <laughs> you know, uh, and fucking nobody else really. Um, mm. Liverpool have a bench stocked entirely of people that Klopp does not rate, um, yeah. even though they spent gargantuan amount of cash on them. On them, mm. um, I mean, no, like, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts. But if I was Minamino, I'd be looking to get the fuck out of there because I'm like, yeah. What yeah, I, 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 I will, I will have words to say on that because I am actually quite, he plays, quite annoyed. He in that plays regard. his best game. He plays his best game ever in the Liverpool shirt, and then he gets benched for a month. He, he even scored a goal. Like, I was just, <laughs> what, do? what the fuck? What like, what are we doing? Like, yeah. You know, um, Chelsea don't have Chelsea. Just a Lampard. So like, <laughs> no matter no matter what team you put in front of Lampard, he will Lampard it up. Absolutely, like that team's got stunning first teamers and a great backup squad. Like they've great a great twenty five man squad, but it's just it's Lampard. Mm. <laughs> so like, I would be worried if like Emma Hayes. I've said this before. If Emma Hayes took over the men, like Chelsea men, <laughs> they're winning the league, they're winning the Champions League, they are winning every fucking trophy available if they get mm. the right manager in with, with the squad that they have, um, and the right manager. It's right in their club. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's but, on the other side where no one watches. And yeah. I, I'll be talking about um, her later on because despite her being a fantastic manager for a team that I hate, <laughs> I have to give her the plaudits of being a fantastic manager because she just is smart and does the right thing. And like, why can't our manager do that? Manages a oh, team yes. Well. Hashtag Joe out is rocking it. Yes. <laughs> We have thoughts incoming on that, folks. But um, 
But yeah, you mentioned yeah. Man City there, and the kind of the guy and go back on them for a spell. They kind of seem to have kicked into gear because of the. Well, they've been kicked right out of gear in the last week or so. I mean, like, what to say? To, yeah. to, revert, to revert back to your uh, the way you started this off, which is, you know, in about a day or two, everything we've said will no longer make sense <laughs> because we were set. We went into this going, oh yeah, they've got, they kicked in a gear. They've really found their groove, and now De Bruyne is out for six weeks uh, with a hamstring injury. Aguero's got the plague. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so you're like, ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> no. um, but why would they need De Bruyne, Neil, when their biggest goal threat, John Stones, is in hot form? Oh my God, John Stones, fucking hell. If you're relying, on, John, goals if you're relying on John Stones, you failed already. I don't care yeah. what it is. <laughs> um, it's just it's so bad. Even Kyle Walker's out. They'll have him. Yeah, but that's just, uh, no, come on. Let's be fair. <laughs> Kyle Walker. Be honest. Be honest. What's that? Quick orgy and he'd be background. Actually, funny <laughs> enough, he's got a he's got a hip injury. So I think it's all them Audrey's that have put him out. Oh, it's a hip it's a hip injury it's now, hip is injury. it? It's not a pelvic injury, is it? No, okay. All right, mate. <laughs> From my many thrusts. <laughs> Um, so uh, another team that's kind of like again now have has is missing their most important player is Leicester because Vardy's out for a couple of months with a hernia. Thanks for the heads up on that because I need to change take him out of my fantasy yeah. football. Get him fucking out of there, yeah. Um, and again, much of your point, Neil. Like it's a Vardy's team is a very blunt team because Ianacho is just not the same standard. Um, yeah, they can't rely on Madison to do fucking everything for them, you know. Yeah. And, and and to be fair, like I, I I like what Leicester have kind of done, or at least I've, like like what Rogers have done, acknowledging the fact he doesn't have a great strike force on but Vardy by himself. So he's just flooded the midfield. So he's got like all of his best midfielders on at the same time. And whenever he does make a change, it's it's to someone like out wide. So he's not he's actually kind of papering the cracks a good bit. Uh, good I've I couldn't tell you if that's gonna cover him for the rest of the season. Maybe they could look at someone getting on loan. Who knows? Like even for the couple of couple of weeks. Make the switch up to Leicester for the rest. Ooh. Of the oh, that's doesn't Shiru though, though really, really love living in London and doesn't want to go? Like that's why we flog. That's why we have to flog him to Chelsea. Yeah, he wouldn't go anywhere else. But like he is like what? He's over thirty, was he? Thirty-two. He's not getting regular football. He's like really no. handsome. He he's <laughs> about coming over and helping me with some handiwork around here. <laughs> <laughs> Preferably while shirtless. <laughs> not all, doesn't happen all the time. Sorry, the, all the, time. the instruction. The instructions on this shelf says you can't can't be wearing any clothes while while, while you. I'm not a DIY person, but um, you know. It's well, it's well, it's like here. The Swedish are weird. Okay, just just I'm watching the corner, sweating. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I'll, yeah, I'll be watching. Uh, I'll be watching a uh, Pablo Mari with the red button player cam. While you do work, right? Go for it. <laughs> well, just James sits in his own corner going, Yep, it's Saturday again. <laughs> this is my life. <laughs> um, anyway, so yeah, um, it, we kind of mentioned them earlier on, but we're going to do a bit of a deep dive into Liverpool this week uh, because we kind of have to. They've been, they, they've been kind of uh, prominent, I think it's fair to say, in, um, you know, fucking royal everything royally up because by the time since we've last uh, spoke to you they still haven't scored a goal uh, they haven't won a game and yes I, I'm not counting the Aston Villa game that does not fucking count we we, we ended up against a schoolboy team and still made hard work of it which, is, <laughs> which should say a lot to be honest um, 
but yeah, I, um, I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on it because we're a day away uh, removed from uh, from then losing one nil to Burnley, and that this is after a run of uh, drawing nil all with Man United, drawing with Newcastle, with Fulham. Um, just a run of very bad, poor performances and poor games, uh, albeit against kind of with the exception of Man United against poor opposition. So it's a very weird trend we have. But um, I'd like to hear what you what your guys' thoughts on it because we're kind of coming out of our injury kind of like situation as well. Like the only one we're kind of waiting to come back now is Jota, and naturally we're not going to be getting any defenders back at that point. So uh, what do you guys think of our season so far? Because I have various thoughts on it. I want to see if they marry up. Neil, do you want to go first? Yeah, well, I, to be all fairness, like I don't think it's gone that badly. Like, mm. I mean, you, you're looking at nine, you're nine, seven, and three, uh, so for thirty-four points. I'm like, all right, then you haven't won in the last five in the league, um, mm. losing two of them, but it's like, and you're still fourth. Like, yeah. you're only six points off the top. Um, you know, all the teams ahead of you bar, I think City, City have one game in hand. So you've mm. played the same amount. It's not as a, like if Man if Man you were top and they'd like you know like Villa they'd only played sixteen fucking games. You know I'd be worried, but no, it's mm. it's it's not like I think it's just playing your midfielders and defenses kind of really hobbled the rest of the team. Yeah, and it's blunted the attack. So that's why like you've not shipped many goals in those. Mm. You know. In those games, like one nil to Burnley, one nil all against Manu, one nil to Southampton, nil all Newcastle, one all West Brom. Yeah, so like, there's only like three or four goals that you've shipped in five games, and apparently on a on a really horrible run. So like, no, like, it's not that bad a blip. It's not. I mean, like, yeah, like you've had. I've read an Optostat there. Optostat's been massively doom fucking tweeting. Mm. <laughs> for so long actually in fact it's Optostat's uh, tweets that are the main source of regret for me for having deleted my Twitter account at the start of the year <laughs> <laughs> I don't get them regularly anymore I have to fish them out now yeah. but uh, apparently like you've had 87 shots since mm. you last scored a goal yeah, yeah I think it's more than that now yeah so like I yeah it's it's not that bad like the team's going to come back it's going to click in um, I, the thing would worry me the most is just how tetchy Klopp is getting. Yeah. You know, I think because, like, your manager, like, that will transmit to the rest of the team. Mm. And yeah. He's getting really fucking angry. Like, his press conference today lasted four minutes, four or five minutes. Yeah, <laughs> and he, you could just tell from the moment he walks through the door, he wanted to get the fuck out of there. Like, <laughs> I believe we'll we'll get onto Lampard's uh, yeah. press conference as well, which is why we're not spending a whole lot of time on Klopp's one because mm. Klopp didn't spend a whole lot of time doing it. But literally <laughs> yeah. walked in, sat down, and went, "I really don't want to talk to you, motherfuckers, right now. I really fucking don't." And mm. it it's a it, like if this is a dip, if this is a blip, then. In the, scale, in the scale of blips and dips, this is a fucking good one. You know? yeah. yeah. This isn't, this isn't, this isn't nothing. If, I, if, if you'd lost all five of those games, then I'd be like, yeah. I'm like, sure, fucking Man United, Liverpool, I'm like, they aren't big scoring games anyway. They've, no, never, they never, scored did, yeah. they've never scored loads of games. They've never. Mm. You know? How about you, Bert, Um Yeah, I would mirror uh, Neil's comments there on how 
I, this has been blown out of proportion by the media. I think this is a case of the media, the mainstream, mainstream media, blowing the, the <laughs> more clicks when they say, oh, you know, Liverpool are in a tailspin. And then you get all the Liverpool fans, you know, like jumping on that and it gets all that kind of um, vigor, I suppose, on Twitter going and the vile more like. But like... I watched two of those last five Liverpool matches. I watched the Man United match and I watched the Burnley match. They're not bad. They, coming from an Arsenal fan who went through, mm. like, how many games were after 10 games we had had, like, less than 10 shots? Oh, yeah. yeah. Something like that. You guys are at least creating the chances. The only thing is, is that you're predictable in how you're going to create the chances so people kind of can get into the right areas to defend it. All that's going to take is five matches of people kind of getting the better of your players. This isn't going to be a season-long thing because you've got the players with the talent that will get you out of those situations. Mm. Like, Aubameyang has been off the boil and people on Arsenal's Twitter were panicking that, like, oh, now that he signed his contract, he's, he's gone. And, and then he scores two goals against Newcastle, who, you know, not are, you know as we will mention later on, are not a great team. Hmm. Like, oh, Elba's back, and it's this whole fanfare again. And it's complete, like, turn on, like, 180 of what it was, like, two weeks beforehand, where it's like, he's crocked, he's done, like, you know, sell him off now. Um, mm. and, but, like, it's like, <laughs> like, Klopp is reading Twitter, not any legitimate, you know, yeah. source of information. And yeah. he's kind of like, oh, I'm fucked. I'm fucked, they're going to sack me now. And, mm. you know, we're playing shit because, you know, it's no, it's not. It's you're not playing shit. You've got unlucky results, and I would put it down to unlucky. Um, mm. last year you had loads of fire decisions going your way. This time it's not working for you this much. So yeah, yeah. Know. Um, yeah. I I think as a fan you're gonna feel like after the season you had last season, it's gonna be very hard to replicate that. So you've got to mm. lower your expectations as to what your team can do. We've been through the invincibles. And the last, next few years after that was pretty tough to watch because you know what the team can do. And when they don't do it, it's like, why? Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think that's exactly it. You're just looking at what your team is capable of because they did it last season and they're not doing it in front of you right now. And you're like, what? what's going on? And mm. I think this will be, things will blow over. Uh, <laughs> let's go down to the pub. Yeah. Oh. Oh, yeah, but no. In a way, in a way, like I kind of I agree with kind of uh, points Bo you guys have uh, brought up. In that, uh, it's I don't think it's it's not a season ender for sure. Like that's that's like we're only at the halfway mark, and like considering that Man City will absolutely be targeting the Champions League this year, and the two Look, just sorry just just to cut in like in a normal season, your run of form right now probably would have been a bit of a season ender. Mm. So I will grant that leeway, but you also have to massively caveat or completely discount it with the not the fact that this isn't a normal season. No, it's not, and that's and that's the thing. Uh, that will will kind of work into our advantage a little bit, I believe, when uh, when we do kind of get into the final stretch, and it is just we're back to our, our regular routine of like we have these matches and Champions League matches, and if by some chance we actually shockingly take the FA Cup seriously this year. And then they may jump, slide in at some point as well. What I would say about the about the the match as well, because I've watched the the last few matches I have watched, like West Brom and Newcastle, and actually most of the ones in the bottom six six always seem to have the same pattern, which is, I think this was a little bit of arrogance in the team, 
in that uh, the kind of like we've we've had this kind of like calming assurance from the likes of Van Dyke and Henderson that will always be able to play the perfect ball and break through defenses and and things like that. And when you break it down, like I, I'm I'm sure like match analysts uh, the league what league wise has been going through our matches with a fine tooth comb. And what they've been able to do, they've been able to melt it down to the fact like ball comes to defense, ball comes from midfield, out wide to the fullbacks, and inside forwards have tucked in. They make a run or they wait for the ball to come into the box. They wait for the second ball and they tap it in. That is a that is a quintessential Liverpool bot goal at the moment. The trouble with that is every team is now setting up to do that. So this the reason why we have this bizarre run of, of games against the bottom six where we can't seem to win. Not even what not even that now, can't even seem to draw at this point. It's because the teams know how to 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 sort our teams out. It's to force us into the same like playbook every single time. And when you are Burnley and you have very tall defenders and a front and a back line of four and a midfield of two, you can just stack up your midfield and defense into the lines. And knowing that you have like Fabinho and Matip, who are not fast centre backs, you can break on them and you're in on goal. And that's what happened with the Ashley Barnes uh, penalty in the end. They're able to break through that line immediately and, and catch us with their pants down. And also, and you that- can defend really well if you know the opposition are just going to sling in crosses. I mean, like, exactly. If the, exactly. if the tallest person Liverpool have going forward is fucking Firmino, mm. <laughs> by 10. Yeah. Exactly. So, like, I will say one thing for Emery, and I know we like, you know, I, I hate him, but um, <laughs> um, he he got your number very early on. Where he mm. um, in the matches, I I think we drew away in Anfield, or no, I don't think that doesn't sound right. Maybe we lost by just the one or two, but we were expecting to lose by like eight. Yeah. Um, and that that passed as a victory in the Emery. Years, yes, you um, set up with a back five, he, I recall, and you, you low blocked us and basically worked play to our center, which was our weak point. Which I remember, yeah, yeah, and that was just like, oh, yeah, let TAA and let Robertson fling in all of those crosses and think like whoever we had in defense at the time, I doubt it was Mustafi, but I think it was, actually, no, he played Mustafi quite a bit, it was yeah, just Mustafi, and he was just like. Mustafi, don't you don't have to tackle anybody because all you're going to be doing is jumping up and getting in the way. Yeah, and he yeah. was like, "Ooh, I could do that." Yeah, and he, in all fairness, in that game, because I know the game he did. I'm, I think both Alexander Arnold and Robertson set like league records for the amount of crosses yeah. they sl- they slung in, and that's I'm like that they <laughs> that's all he did was you just jumped up, and it's like if anything, he's a tall guy, he can jump, and he's got a fucking block head. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So and, he, and he has no brains to like injure, so exactly, you know. yeah, exactly. Yeah, but just for blocking yeah. Liverpool, was yeah, they're gonna swing in crosses, we will just meet the crosses, and that's the ideal plan for Sean Deitch's teams who are just tall brick men. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and they did a good job. And like, they I watched that match, um, and as much as it was exciting to see Liverpool, like, you know, actually pass and create shots, Hope had a great game. And you need to be, mm. re- you need to have your shots really, really, really out of reach for, to beat Hope. He is a really good keeper. And I don't think you can have any kind of uh, qualms about how many shots you actually took. It's not like if you watched an Arsenal match against that Burnley team, we had no shots. There yeah. was nothing. We had 
didn't have any chances to complain that keeper was being so good. We didn't even get to see how good Pope was in that game. So, mm. yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think uh, you are feeling that it is. No, I, I, it's, I, I see your point in that sense because it, it was very frustrating for me. And again, after watching all those games, us tr- doing the exact same thing over and over again and expecting it to work. Like, I don't know, if, I can't tell if it's from a coaching aspect or it's from the player's aspect. Like, if you listen to Klopp, it certainly is from the player's aspect because whichever way he's coaching him, they obviously have a game plan up against the individual team. And maybe it's because, like, the, scene, the, the season's so abridged, you've only got, like, a, a day or two to work on everything. That worked fine in the early season where you may be dropping points to a Brighton or whatever it is and you can blame VAR on it. But when you had nine days between Fulham and Southampton to focus on the Southampton game and you still lose a 1-0... That is that, that isn't down down from lack of preparation. That's too much preparation. You know, that's focused on the wrong things or whatever it is. And for me, when I look at the Liverpool team, maybe I don't know. Like when I look at the Liverpool team, I just think like you you do you guys realize you can do more than just run onto crosses and like wait for second balls. You are all able to dribble the ball and run at defenders and run at midfielders and play square passes. There's just none of that imagination anymore. And the curious thing is, and literally the only one great uh, bit of play I remember from this game was Wijnaldum going on like a dribble from like his box to the other box. A brilliant run, and nobody from the Burnley sides were able to take him down. That was the only dribble we did in that game. And that really annoyed me because Salah, when he came, the first season he came into the, into the league, literally did nothing but like run past the centre of a dribble, goal. That was his game. Mane, the same way. Firmino, not so much. But Oxlade, Shakiri, these are all great people on the ball. Except this season, we just seem to be afraid of doing that. And I think it's because maybe it's an over-reliance on the fullbacks and uh, perhaps now because we, we keep forgetting Thiago is there as well. But the trouble is Thiago is playing number six when like really you'd want to take him out of there and more uh, more freer in the midfield so he can play those 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 straight passes uh, much can't quicker. Thiago, but can't Thiago do this? See, I know you've listened to the same second captain's podcast that I did. Yeah. And early made a good point there that Thiago's that kind of midfielder that has to dominate play. So everything has to go through him. So I know we're going to shift off the Burnley game onto the Man United mm-hmm. game, but he made the point that every single, and I went back and watched the extended highlights, so he's actually correct. Yeah, every single good chance that Man United had came from when Thiago lost the ball. Yes. Because everything was just going through him. And so they're like, oh, well, if you can get this guy to turn over the ball, which admittedly is not an easy thing to do. He is such a fantastic player. Yeah. But they're like, oh, well, if, every time he turns the ball over, like we're through on goal because nobody can, because <laughs> everybody just, they're just waiting on him to do something. So when he fucks up, yeah. We're through. You know the weird thing is, we already have a player that does all the time, and that's Henderson. Henderson's our the captain, so good luck trying to get him to not dictate the play. He's literally pointing out to the players, move there, move there before he even gets the ball. Like he is he is being the he is being the quarterback in that team. And now Thiago comes in, rightfully so, and is, is more talented than Henderson is. But the difference is that Thiago doesn't quite have the authority yet to start pulling the strings. But but anyway, I'd argue that like if you had a, if you had a midfield of, of Henderson, Wijnaldum, and Thiago, that works perfectly fine. I wouldn't like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that you couldn't have one or the other. You can have both of them play. They just have to be, uh, somebody separate. They have to be able to go like, well, Thiago's going to work on this side of the field, and Hendo will work on this side. You swap over whatever the fuck it is. So that's one aspect of it. And 
uh, further to that point, Henderson is no longer centre-back, right? That is not working. Get him out of the midfield. Or but get him into the midfield. Cl- Klopp doesn't rate Williams and doesn't rate Phillips. So who the fuck else is he meant to put there? It doesn't matter. Who cares? Literally, who gives a fuck? Like, Henderson is not a centre-back. He's never he's going better, to be a centre-back. He's better. Klopp clearly thinks he's better there than Phillips or Williams. And Klopp is wrong. And this is the this is only my central point. Klopp is wrong about these things. I've been saying this all season. Whatever, whichever notions he has in his head are wrong for this season, and perhaps only for this season only. But in a season where you are have a truncated season, you've got like back to back matches two two a week, whatever it is, and you're sticking to the front eleven. Granted, because of injuries, we have been able to use like fringe players and rotate them. But give the players that are there a break. Don't have them playing in rubber matches against like. Danish competition. Yeah, I was about to say that. I was was one of the things I think we were going to get onto it when you laid into Klopp later on, but fuck it, we'll do it now. Is for somebody who was routinely complaining about not getting the five subs, he doesn't really like to rotate his team very often. He like subs full stop. He doesn't use I I was looking at that team going, like, okay, then Klopp, if you got five subs, what the fuck would you do with them? Because he hates his bench. He doesn't like any of them. I was I found it so disrespectful that he gave Minamino ten minutes against Burnley when we were already down. I could not get my fucking head around that. And he does this all the time, by the way. He literally yeah. does like he loves a late sub for eighty minutes. And I Wenger did as well. A lot of managers do it. Can someone from an actual fucking scholarship of like substitution explain to me what the benefit of it is to have them on ten minutes instead of half an hour? What fucking difference does it make? Yeah, when you're losing, like if you're like three 0 up and you want to give the youth players a couple of minutes, so like all right, I'm fine. Then yeah, do that. Perfect. Not from a losing position when you need his goal and you're taking yeah. off one of your better like forwards. You were taking off Shakiri, who God bless him was actually trying. He just had no one to pass to. He just he was running around the ball, going like, oh, I saw the ball. Is any, hello, anybody there? Hello? No, just me? Okay, I'll just pass it back to Fabinho. Fuck is. And that was our game. It was literally just like, no one was making a run. No one made a pass. We just got up to a certain point and just gave up and gave it to Robertson and gave it to Trent. And that was it. <laughs> Fucking, it's boring. <laughs> and it's boring watching the games like this because you know, I know, I knew from like watching that, right, Fabinho has the ball. He's going to pass it to Thiago. Thiago's going to see nothing essentially. He's going to pass it to Robertson. Robertson's going to get blocked out for a corner. The corner's going to come in and it's cleared. I knew that a minute before it started because it's so fucking pretty. If, if, I, if, I, if, a, if a gumshoe like me can tell that, then so can the coaches who've been watching this neurotically preparing for our games. So it's up to us to be a step ahead of them. Change formation, change your style, counterattack, press, do something different. Because that's your issue. Your, your, your issue is you, you only know one trick. When you clearly know a lot more, maybe try different things, shockingly. I know, crazy notion, I know. Maybe change formation, change your personnel, change the way you play, change something. Stop like doing the same system, expecting it to work, and then getting angry when it doesn't. Exactly. To, to go the best part of 70 games undefeated, repelling all comers, until the fattest, baldest, lumberingest version ever of Ashley Barnes yeah. comes along. <laughs> I should tell you that the system no longer works. It needs to be changed. Yeah, when Ashley Bar- the, the Ashley Barnes test. Can he get past yeah. this? Yeah, fuck it. Scrap it. I don't care. Yeah. Um, yes. I'd be right in saying that you're picking the FA as your card then, Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have no quarrels with governing bodies this week. You'll be shocked to hear. You'll be actually shocked to hear. 
But before we do... Um, pods then, at this rate then, because you've then clearly put forward that you don't rate Klopp at the minute, that his, his decisions... I, I, are perplexing and annoying because I wonder what that's like, Neil. Do you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, to be fair, I'm on a Hang on, wait, wait till I open a window to let out all these hot takes. Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> no, it, it is, do you know what? It is, it is such a simple thing. Just like, just try something else. And do you know the weird thing is? We used to be like this. We used to be able to go like, oh, if, if that doesn't work, we'll try plan B and C when like there was different coaching involved. I think there is this, this, this kind of like line of thinking now in the Liverpool camp. We have to do this. To, this is the way it works and just stick to this position as best we can. Because I remember actually... Here, and, you know, there is no, there's no... Like, if it worked last year, why wouldn't it work this year? That is a legitimate answer. Yeah. And he might just be discovering, well, okay, like one team has figured us out. Okay, another team. Well, the United match, I'm going to take that out of the equation because that's always yeah. a testy match. Like, you know, it's, you can never call that. It's always going to be low scoring. Mm. I, I think, like, after the Burnley match, you can probably go like, yeah, I could probably change something here at that point. I think this mm. is the point where he has to go, something has to change here. I agree, yeah. Um, if... After this match, uh, who is up against now? Sheffield, is it? No, we have United in the Cup and our next league game is Spurs. Oh, oh, Spurs. Um, actually, our, our next six is actually really exciting because I think it's five out of the top seven. So it's, I think, I'm, I'm just doing this off memory, so bear with me if, if I'm wrong. I think it's Spurs away, uh, Leicester at home, West Ham away, Brighton at home, Man City Hang on, hang on. I'm, I'm getting them up. Hang on, hang on. Yeah. yeah, Sunday you've got Man U, and that's at yeah. Old Trafford. Thursday is at the Toilet Bowl for Spurs. Yes. Um, the Sunday after that, which is three days, mm. um, you're at the Porn Stadium with yeah. West, Ham. West Ham. Then yeah. you've got a home game with Brighton. Then you've got Man City. And then oh, I was about to say then you've got Liverpool, but that's that's you. Then you've got <laughs> Leicester after that, and then we're into the Champs League mid February. Yeah, Leipzig. And you start off. You start off with disgustingly flavored energy drink Leipzig. Mm. But you know the weird thing is, like that when I actually kind of look at those fixtures, think. And then you've Everton after that. <laughs> But you know what the way thing is when I look at those fixtures and go, oh yeah, we'll take them seriously. In a way, like I, I can, I can, I can get that the te- the players will get themselves motivated for it. They just need to be, they just need to be a bit more creative and just think outside the box. That's what I just my main takeaway from those matches were was the fact that like, oh, we're up against Newcastle, West Brom, Burnley, boring. Get me back in the Champions League, lads. Am I right? It's like no, 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 no. The reason why you won the league last season was because you took these games seriously. You have to get back onto that now. You can't just whip the crosses and expect someone to just fall over and score an own goal. You know. Sorry, that that noise was from um, Charlie nearly equalising against Wolves. Ooh, on Charlie. Um, Charlie, the second half is actually. Alban Jordy. Nice. <laughs> Ruddy has to make a great save and he just finishes off by going absolutely tonto at the <laughs> defenders in front of them. <laughs> he goes fucking nuts. Hot. One of the Jordy players, mm. fuck it, whoever number 20 something is. But Sorry. like when I mean he was alone at the back post, I mean he was alone. He could have swung a string of cats around him and not <laughs> hit another player. <laughs> Um, and only for fucking 
Ruddy somehow getting a right hand to that. That's actually a fucking brilliant save. Um, yeah. yeah. And then he just screams at the defenders going, who the fuck is marking this guy? <laughs> but he can't this, this is going to be an in, this is an interesting second half. Yes. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. Um, so yeah, before we, we are going to go talk about the FAWSL, but before I do that, I will briefly let you know how VAR Wars and the uh, P45 crew is doing. First off, VAR Wars. Uh, thankfully, not much to talk about. Uh, it's been a it's been a very mumbled up double game week and so forth. But I will say there's only four to talk about. So Burnley earned a point. Um, this is a weird one. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, Robbie Brady got a booking for taking down uh, uh, Rashford, I think it was, basically on the edge of the box. And it was looked at VAR first off to see was it inside the penalty box or not. And obviously it wasn't. It was then looked at to see if it was last man back, which it wasn't. So it was given as a booking. What do you and then obviously VAR, it wasn't a penalty. This was Manchester United you're talking about. I know. This is, well, this is, that's why the check <laughs> like, That's five yards away. We just got, we just got a double, double check. Yeah. Double, double, double check. Yeah. yeah. I'm doing the elbow. I'm doing the, no, no. Uh, I'll get it called yeah. so. Um, so they, they checked it again because they, they looked, they saw an infringement from Shaw beforehand, which is a foul. And it was like one of those kind of grazing, like, ooh, nearly like um, nearly nasty challenges. So they scaled it back all the way to that and rescinded the yellow card for Brady and gave a book to Shaw. It was like, all right. It, I, I didn't realize we were being that neurotic about bookings now, but fair enough. Uh, welcome to the new age. And Minus uh, plus one then to Arsenal. That was the uh, second to Bamian goal. That was VAR uh, approved because of the uh, crossing from Cedric, nearly going out of play. Um, plus one for Sheffield United. Uh, holy shit. They got a penalty um, after Fernandez handball. That was actually the penalty that made them win their first ever game of the season. Well, if you're, actually, if you're Sheffield and you're relying on VAR, you're a mortal enemy from last season. In all fairness, Sheffield, I reckon, would take anything they can fucking get at this point. Yeah, another ghost goal would be nice, wouldn't it? Um, the only one taken away this uh, this interval has been Chelsea. They had a minus one after the Pulis' penalty was reviewed by VAR and the uh, tackle from Johnny Evans was outside the box. So not much has changed, lads, I'll be honest. everyone, More or less everyone is still losing. Uh, Liverpool is still minus five. Uh, Manchester City are still on two points and leading, uh, or sorry, Man United, beg your pardon, still leading VAR Wars. And... Um, Aston Villa and uh, West Brom are still minus four, and uh, Wolves are minus three. So everyone is losing in that regard. And speaking of losing, uh, Cardiff City, in their eternal wisdom, after sacking Neil Harris, has brought on Mick McCarthy to replace him. Put your head on it, lads. Where's Jack Byrne when you need him? Oh, yeah, in Cyprus. Uh, so, oh yeah, uh, sorry. Just just a brief interruption there, right? We're sixty eight minutes into this game, right? Wolves are against fucking Chorley, mm-hmm. and the second half has gone so badly that at sixty eight minutes, Nuno has thrown on Neves, Traore, and Pedro Neto. All right then, <laughs> that that's shows you when I said how bad that second half was going. That's how badly he's going. He's put on arm grease and Pedro what Neto. Adama Traore yeah. against a semi-professional team is a fucking hate crime. That I, is no, not I actually, fair. I actually do believe this might class as a war crime. I think he might yeah. be up in front of the Nuremberg trials. Um, <laughs> it's not fair on Charlie. Yeah, he's no. too fast. He'll just, he'll just drive into the fucking turf and just like 
like get to, like kill yeah. up by quicksand. Like right, hey, so like, just oh. so you know how badly this has been okay. going for the the second half has been going for them. That's how fucking bad. It, it's a triple change. He made all of them at the same time. Oh, what a what a segue, Neil. What a segue. Speaking of triple change. <gasps> triple changes. Nice. Joe uh, had to make a triple change at the weekend because Arsenal women were playing so badly against Reading. Yes, Burpot, bring us up to speed with the WSL. We haven't spoken about it in a quite a long time. Or the rolling dumpster fire that is the WSL right now. Yes, that's what I meant yeah, to say. Yeah, it is quite... <laughs> trying to match the Premier League for like headlines of shithousery. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, it's just, it's not gaining attention. People are just getting more angry. Um, so yeah, what's basically happened, um, as I have mentioned before, I think my COD before was Dubai Gate. Um, mm. was mentioned before where uh, players had taken it upon themselves to take a mental health break or a business trip or whatever excuse they came up with for going to Dubai. In the middle of a pandemic. In the middle mm-hmm. of a pandemic. Um, our own Katie McCabe, who I still genuinely rate as a player, I think she is actually phenomenal, but she was one of the more um, brazen about it, posting it on Instagram <laughs> that she was down at the beach. Um Whereas the other players tried to keep it secret, only that they actually got papped by their own friends who aren't famous, but people found the friends and then people <laughs> found the friends people in their you know, Snapchats or whatnot. <laughs> what this, uh, they came back from Dubai uh, with a positive case. So it was four positive cases in the Manchester City team and there was a positive case in the Arsenal team. Mm. Um, and they, uh, the close contacts then through several different teams that were uh, in the league, which meant that uh, the first week back of having FAWSL after the winter break, because they do have a Christmas break, uh, only had one match. The match they only had one match. It was Reading versus Chelsea, and Reading ran, or Chelsea ran riot against Reading. Um, just Frank Kirby did Frank Kirby things, and it was unbelievable. And I really like like her as a player. Uh, yeah, so frustrating when you have like teams that like you really don't like. This is like me saying Spurs, how mm. like Son for Spurs is quite a good player. It hurts me to say this, but I cannot lie. He is a good player. He's a shit. He's a good player. <laughs> so FAWSL then second round kicks off after the winter break, and we actually had multiple matches, which is great. Um, Birmingham had requested the week before uh, postponement due to uh, them only being able to field twelve players. That was hard um, discussion, by the way. I can't believe that didn't that didn't fly. Like they get postponed, but because of Everton's squad having a COVID case and close contacts were fair, like connected to that, meant that the game mm. could get postponed. Birmingham had no COVID cases, uh, but just an injury crisis within the club. And they were not able to field the team. The FA said, well, you can field people from your academy. No, you can't, because in the lockdown, women's academies are not seen as elite, so they have not been allowed to train. Mm. Um, so you can't call up an un, you know, a player who you know, has been in the academy, hasn't been training regularly. That's just an injury risk, and they didn't do it. So thankfully, that match had been postponed, and they got back into the swing of things by drawing on their first match back. Um, but other interesting things happened. So we had uh, Manchester United top of both the Premier League and the FAWSL of a weekend. And of mm-hmm. a weekend, we saw that. 
<laughs> so both teams <laughs> dropped off on the table at the end of that. Um, and that was because Manchester United were playing against Chelsea in what was a humdinger of a match. I was mm. watching the Arsenal-Reading match, which was on simultaneously on the big screen, and I had the Chelsea-Man United match <laughs> because foolishly me thinking, oh, they're also t- title rivals. No. Um, the Reading match I will get onto uh, as my pod. But, um, yeah, other matches um, that went on. So Chelsea-Man United was just really, really good match. Like, some of the goals that were scored were just really good. Um, Casey Stoney... I think she is a phenomenal manager. Like the, mm. the stuff that she gets, the, the the tactics, she had everything right on the day. Um, it was just a little bit of extra magic bench player that Emma Hayes can just be like, hmm, who can I bring off the bench? Brings off the bench, like, you know, world-class stars and they kind of got the goal at the end. Yeah. Um, Chester City, on the other hand, so they would be the other people I would say are title rivals. Um, they trashed Aston Villa 7-0. I, I admittedly did not watch the match because I didn't want to. Um, it was it just like, I don't want to watch a mauling. Um, but kind of unfortunately for us and the rest of the league, Lauren Hemp is back from injury. She got injured at the start of the season and has kind of, uh, that has coincided with Manchester City's run of not great matches. And then she comes back and they score 7-0 against Villa. So, yeah, it's kind of ominous. Um, during the week, Manchester City played Chelsea in a, another humdinger of a match where Lauren Help was at the... I think she got a goal and an assist in that game. Or, yeah, a goal and assist in that game. Uh, but, unfortunately, Chelsea got four uh, after extra time. Uh, well, two goals after extra time after some absolutely fucking wonderful goals from Chelsea and again it hate, like it pains me to say this but they've just such a squad and like like the yeah. men's team just bought quality after quality and you bring quality off the bench to replace quality on the pitch and it's frustrating well, and unlike, I don't think- unlike the men's team though they're actually utilising quality correctly yes it, yeah. yes exactly like you can have Sam Kerr Pernille Harder um, as your front three with Beth England and Aaron Cuthbert yeah. like these are all stellar you know strikers number nine so that's, you've got this yeah, that, that's a front five that's a front five, five. <laughs> um, and different combinations of them work really well and I yeah. kind of I said it before that in the women's game you kind of get a bit more kind of variation where a player might be classed as a winger they can play both wings if they're a winger they can play both wings um, team like if you put Trent Alexander Arnold on the left, how would he work out with that? He probably would be shy because he's been just constantly trained to be a right winger or, or it, yeah. right, yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know what I mean. Like he, he I do. Yeah, would, no, there's no, there's no targeted training. Is what you're kind of, is what you're kind of saying. It's like you're trained to be a right back. You know, you're trained to be a good footballer first, and wherever you slot in, the team will work. You know, maybe different for elite clubs, but in a way, it actually kind of makes women's football more interesting that way because you could just get like, oh, Beth is at left back. She He's is. What you doing there? <laughs> you think that Jordan Henderson can't be uh, a, a centre back? Well, you know, Katie McCabe <laughs> has been everything. Striker Katie McCabe is playing our left back this season and also played mm-hmm. left centre back in the match at the weekend. Again, I will go and come back to that. Uh, yes. Just. Quickly go 
the league. Um, Bristol well, I, I have to cut in here actually because um, I saw this come up uh, recently. Uh, Jill Scott going to Everton. That was a bit of a weird transfer, wasn't it? Leaving uh, City. Um, yeah, uh, yes, I know. She hasn't been getting the game time that she is in her um, later years. Um, hmm. We say um, she is an Everton like gal. Um, yeah. She played with them in 2006, I think she signed with them. She played them for years now. I know she did play for Liverpool, but like in the women's game, the rivalry okay. between the yeah. two isn't as, as, as vicious. Um, no, but the, F- the Liverpool club, the Liverpool women's club is kind of the Tranmere women's club, if that makes sense. It's kind of like half and half. That's why they play at Tranmere, if you know what I mean. But we've, <laughs> we've, we've had the rights to the team for years and never done anything with it. It's just like, we'll babysit the Tranmere team, if that makes well, just to help yeah, you out, you know. Um, but yeah, you haven't been getting the game time, and you've got the likes of Sam Lewis in your team. And yeah, like I'm sorry, Jill, but like yeah, you're not gonna out, like they do the same kind of a role, except Sam Lewis is a like bit younger and a bit quicker and a bit more um, terrifying, I suppose. She's the Tower mm. of Power is her um, nickname, and uh, yeah, she that sounds better in American. No, it's like Tower of Power. <laughs> we don't do it justice Power, here. Power, 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 power. power. <laughs> Um, other interesting news which uh, came out in the last few days was uh, the tourist dot here moving to Man United Man United Mm. uh, while I say Casey Sony is a brilliant manager they kind of concede weird goals they don't concede very often for a team that's like newly promoted shall we say but when they do it's kind of like I don't understand how that even happened it's kind of like someone forgets how to football for a second and then Mary Earps is stranded. Or Mary Earps kicks a ball to an opposite player going, oh shit, I used to play with Jin, I don't play with Jin. Oh, it wasn't the net. Um, oh, wrong bit for shit. Don't, Sorry, be, don't, be, don't be a bitch. Don't be, oh. <laughs> <laughs> You're such a bitch. <laughs> Are you actually not the score? <laughs> I would imagine bringing in someone uh, from the champion, like Chelsea, like bringing her in to your team is just going to strengthen it and I think it's a really mm. good a really good um, buy from them. Um, it's amazing that, that they even got her off Chelsea. I mean, yeah, Hayes' kind of, Hayes's plan at Chelsea is basically, I want two world-class players in every position because that's the only way you're going to get past Leon. Because, you know, that, that and... That's correct tactic. Like, you have to do And that. yeah, and like, Chelsea are, like, they're obliging her. But mm. uh, <laughs> unfortunately, Leon aren't slowing down. They've signed Carrasco. Yeah, um, <laughs> who's on pretty hunt, much odds yeah. on to be one of the world's best ever players. So like, mm. holy shit, that girl's good. Like, she dropped out of Stanford early to go do that shit. Yeah. Um. So but, yeah, and the, the yeah. women's US team are everything on her. They're like, this girl is so fucking good. Like, yeah, uh, and they're also on the hunt for Viv. Uh, if the the tabloids are to be. Mm-hmm. Um, believed. Um, interesting as well. Um, Everton, I think, made a great sign in there with getting uh, Scott, and they've got a couple of their players coming back from injury. And here's a hot take: I think they're going to overtake Arsenal. <laughs> to be fair, I believe it. Yeah, I believe it. They are a very good team. They're really such a good, tidy team. Like. Yeah, like they play really good. You've got Lucy Graham, who's kind of like, she kind of went off the boil a bit before Christmas, but she's kind of coming back into form. You've got Govan coming back from injury. Izzy Christensen has kind of stepped up a gear. Yeah, like they're just, they're a team in form and Arsenal are not. Um, yeah. Well, we are the underdogs. Yeah. We are the underdogs, according to Joe Montemoro. 
Ready on the dogs. <sighs> I don't think any. I don't think any team that has the quality that we have <laughs> ever be classed as an underdog. I just. Oh, so I, I loved Claire Balding's reaction to that to Montemoros. Like she just kind of raised a bit of an eyebrow, but it, it said everything. She was like, "See hi." <laughs> um, I think the kind of veil has kind of been lifted on John Montemoro. He has this kind of like air of maverick boss. I know what I'm doing. You just can't see it yet. Kind of a a vibe to his kind of tactics. His whole thing of having a squad, a small squad, has come to bite him twice now with league and like injuries causing us the league um small squad also came to bite us when one player got caught with covid and that actually ruled out seven other players because they all <laughs> such a small squad they're so tight-knit ruled out seven players because they've been in close contact um leo valti has come out with a, a, an interview this week uh, as captain of the swift team um she did a, an interview with the national about the national team but was asked about her club performances and she's been kind of on and off the pitch with injury um and she is kind of like she's kind of down in the interview kind of saying like oh like i haven't been able to play with the team but also when we do play it's not the same as it was before and like it's obviously a translation of what she's saying in german but it's quite damning to the team spirit and i've said this when watching matches i've you know i said it into the group chat like watching arsenal is you can see the players are not happy with each other. Like they're constantly giving out to each other. And like, you can hear it because as well, there's no fans at the matches. And I'm sure you, like, you know, it's just kind of the same with the men's. You can hear them giving out, but it's not even like, ah, uh, you know, that was a bad pass. It was like, what are you doing? Don't do that. I told you not to do that. You know, yeah. it's kind of really like. Bickering. Yeah, it's bickering and it's bad and it's bad to see. And you can see that they're not enjoying the football. And mm. I think and one of the things I saw, like when the manager loses a team and they don't want to play or they don't believe that the tactics that the manager are playing, you can see that. And you can see that with the Arsenal team that they are like, well, I know how to do this and I'm going to keep doing this. And then you've got the manager like blindly shouting. Um, there was a clip with the Reading match where um, it was in the first half, Malangut had the ball and um, she had turned and her options in front of her was Kim Little, who was being marked by three players, um, Lisa Evans out on the wing, who, you know, was in a little bit of space, but wasn't in a good position for the ball. Leah Valti, who is literally centimetres from her, or mm. back to the keeper. They were her options immediately as she received the ball. And she turned around, and she's only 19, 19, mm. 20 years old. She turns around, she goes, I'm not passing back, move. <laughs> the ball at Viv and there was a t it wasn't a great ball but you could see she was doing it out of frustration and then you know people were saying you, you know Lisa Lisa was looking Lisa was looking and she just went well, I didn't hear and she just kind of shrugged her shoulders like I didn't hear and it's like like Leah Valti I remember like kind of was saying something to her kind of like calm down or you know something kind of a and Leo Valti then goes in and does this completely ridiculous challenge like a couple of seconds later. And it's like, oh, they're just so angry. They're so like, they're obviously feeling the pressure because they're not performing. So they're like trying to overcompensate. Mm. And I feel like that's a case of the manager doesn't have the team under control, that it's a load of individuals trying to do their thing. Yeah. And when you have that and it's not like it, it, individuals doing their thing is fine for maybe Man United. 
But when you've got like a really well organized defense of Reading, uh, Reading who were beaten 4 0 by Chelsea the week before, mm. they got the tactics wrong. They kind of put their hands up and said, like, look, we didn't think Kirby could run that fast anymore. And, you know, we took the high line. We paid the price. Look, let's get over it. Uh, this week, they are the, like in the match week against Arsenal, they played the low block. And you, you said, like, you know, having a plan B and a plan C, that is something that we can do. We mm. can play from, okay, all right, route, you know, plan A is get the ball to Viv. Okay, Viv's been marked by eight players. Let's not pass the ball to Viv. Let's give it to Katie or Lisa on the wing and we can work it out the wings. That just wasn't happening at all. And in the second half, we did step it up. He made a triple change, which is my segue into this whole thing. Mm-hmm. He brought mm-hmm. up me, Caitlin Ford, and um, he brought off Malangut in midfield. Um, who was like, she's very defensive, I suppose. I was like, you're playing too defensive. Leah Valti and Malangut against Reading. Why? Playing Katie yeah. McCabe at left centre back, why? Um, he pushed her out per, further out the. Oh, yeah, he brought Malin Goose off for Jen Beatty. Um, right. And he brought Pat, uh, Woban Moy and Patton off um, the two centre back pairings for Leah Williamson and Caitlin Ford. We completely wholesale changes. We changed up the, um, the, the play, but we still couldn't beat them because. Mm-hmm. Like the passing was just off. Like everyone was off by a fraction of a second, and it was just. I think he's lost the team. I think the tactics going against Reading was bizarre, and uh, the change that he made at half time while they were best should have been the starting eleven. Um, but also I would have made other changes as well. Um, we need we lacked something in midfield. Midfield is where we could hurt Reading, and nothing was done about it. Like he was constantly going to the wings uh, in the second half, and we weren't really getting joy from there until Caitlin Ford came on. Um, he has this uh, love of Jill Root, who is infuriating as a player, and I can't quite pick a player in the Premier League who she reminds me of. But like I, she's like she doesn't have fully controlled her. She hasn't learned how to fully control her limbs yet. So like the ball, actually kind of Pepe, kind of like Pepe. I think it's Sacco actually. Sacco Sacco, never made of nightmares. Yeah. Um, Where like the ball would come to her and you're like, okay, she takes a touch and like, great touch. She got the ball into control. And then for some reason her switch and it's not, it's not a touch. The ball will just squirm off her and she'll go lunging in for a mad tackle. Um, yes, that, yeah, okay, there we go. That's that. Um, that's that. <laughs> <laughs> one game lose the ball and somehow ended up in like a different county. It's like, <laughs> yeah, she did, she scored back to back hat tricks at the start of the season. And Joe Montemore was like, Yes, my genius has shone true. Signing her was the best thing I've done for this club. It's like she's done nothing since, yeah. Um, and he kept her on for the whole game, whereas she was losing possession more than Malin Gutt was in the first half. Um, and when I saw her stay on, I was like, oh, yeah. She did all these great combinations with Caitlin Ford, and I was like, well, actually, that's quite good. But then she still wasn't making anything of it. And she forgot how to kick the ball when she was in the box at one point and stepped up the ball and tripped herself up. Again, not in control of her limbs. Um, yeah, so Joe Montemurro, I feel his experiments with the squad have not worked. If you can't get the GOAT to score 
and get her into positions to score. She barely got to touch the ball and it's not from want of trying. She was moving around the pitch. The, the, she was being marked by three different players uh, mm. at any one time. But we know she can do that. She know, we know she's well capable of getting, but she just wasn't getting the support. And yeah, I just think it's, I think it's time for him to go. I'm sick of him. I'm actually sick of him. Um, I, I, the start of the season, I've, like I said, I've been mentioning it when we're watching matches that we're not playing great. We seem disjointed. We're giving out to each other. We're losing so many. I saw one of the podcasts I was listening to during the week said out of the last eight matches, we've got two points. Jesus. Like, that's a run of form that would get you relegated. Mm. Um. Oh, it's just, it's not good. It's not good. And against the top four, the other top four teams, we're doing, the only team that we've bet in the last two seasons is Everton. So, um, mm. yeah, that is my thing, is that he can't play the tactics in a big match. Yeah. We're not even beating the little teams. Like, we, like okay, last year we bet Bristol 11-1 and, you know, things were all rosy and it was great. We're not even beating Bristol by that much. Mm. And it's, it was very noticeable in when you when you guys go up against Chelsea because we've earmarked Chelsea as an incredibly organised side, like a, a team a team with a genuine game plan and an ability to get the best out of their players. And to be also, fair, with, also with depth, but also with depth, it's the depth, depth is team there as well. But even yeah. then, like if, if it was the, if it was an experiment, is it to say, well, let's say if Chelsea had the same small side as, as Arsenal did, you could still make the argument that like with the with the top eleven they have. It's still an organised side, you know. Let's like let's just say if it's just eleven versus eleven, that team like wipes the floor with Arsenal. And I throw Man United in this category too because you mentioned Casey Stoney and how much of a fucking smashing job she's doing with United, and yeah. um, and that's still a very that's a, still a very like early experiment, you know. Like it's still only a couple of years actually in in working. So to see a team immediately just like have to shit together immediately, know what they're doing, know what personnel they want, and to have got as well crucially to get exactly who they need. And to make it work with like a, a player, let's let's face it, like someone who was playing like three or four seasons ago, and immediately just switched in the management and took to it just like that. That should show you, like, okay, I, we get Arsenal were, were dominant in this kind of phase of, of women's football, but now other teams are taking it seriously too. And more than that, they actually have a genuine strategy and a plan to make this go forward. Whereas Arsenal are gone and gone with this, as you said, this kind of maverick kind of. Uh, improvisation of Joe Montemoro and making it come across like managerial genius. Like, yeah. okay. It's like some managers can get away with that. Some managers will come across like a, like a tactical genius, like, like five times out of 10. Whereas the other five, you just went, Oh, I, I got it wrong. I got made the wrong call, whatever it was. It's like it's grand. Like the first season when you, when you're trying shit out and seeing who works, not when you're what, like five, six years into the, into the gig now, how long is he there? Like seven years? No, he's only there. Um, this is his, Fourth year, fourth year. Okay, out of my head, he, he was he was there for for much longer. But nevertheless, like okay, even better, yeah, for four years. Like if 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 you're if if you're still acting the bollocks like that with four years and making these overcomplicated Guardiola esque type like moves, as if to say like, oh yes, I know football better than everyone else. Oh no, I've lost to Leon on the counter attack. No, not my fucking Fabergé eggs. You know, fuck off. Like <laughs> you had a game plan, you fuck it up every single time. You don't have to reinvent the wheel every time you play Chelsea. Just play your team, and if they lose, they lose. Simple as. They're just better than you. And also, like, the, the ridiculousness of saying we're the underdogs when you've got a team that's staffed with 
European Championship winners and World Cup runners up. You don't have a say. How the hell can you even it's say that sentence? They didn't raid America. They just didn't raid America. That's all. That's why he's saying the underdogs. He's, he's pointing to like City, Chelsea, and United going like, oh, see, they signed Americans. Chelsea you know, didn't Americans. No. Yeah. yeah. But that's the thing. Like he's using that as a as a kind of like a, a an excuse when it is. I will say the first time that I really was like, because he's made some questionable decisions like, you know, in the last few years. But mm. um, in the Conti Cup final last season against um, against Chelsea, um, <laughs> I love Louise Quinn and she is, I rate her really highly as a defender. When you leave her one-on-one, as a tactic, mm. leaving yeah. her one-on-one with Sam Kerr, <laughs> that's not going to work out because Louise Quinn is a permertisacker. And I've said this before, she's yeah. not speedy, but she's intelligent. She will win the ball. She will play the ball well. She will tackle. She'll know when, where to stand, where to be when the ball's coming in. If you're playing a high line against Chelsea with, uh, I think it was Leah Williamson being sent up forward quite a lot yeah. as an attacking centre-back, um, leaving Quinn isolated with, Sam Kerr is just not going to work. And that was the first time I was like, I don't understand why he did that. Now, Louise Quinn was coming in because Jen Beattie was injured. I still think that's a bad game plan to have with Jen Beattie. <laughs> like, that's not going to work. Yeah, with- yeah, that wouldn't have worked even if it had his first choice. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that ended up being Louise Quinn's game. And after that game, he told her, we're not renewing your contract at the end of the season. Okay. Like, okay, I wasn't directly after that game. But it was like, that was her last time putting on the jersey and she was pissed at that because you know and she she's in a recent interview like you can read between the lines yeah like, uh, that was her she didn't have any intention of leaving Arsenal she wanted to renew her contract and Joe said no and is that a cause of the ruptions do you think in the Arsenal squad because you've alluded to this a little bit about how uh, how the, this, the camp seems to be a bit fractured because Louise Quinn was the captain, I know there's a, there's a few kind of people in the captaincy, but Louise Quinn was one of the more prominent leaders in the in the locker room in that sense. To see her kind of gone so acrimoniously, do you think that's what's been the catalyst for the team kind of breaking apart as it is now? I I wouldn't say it's that per se, but I th- I do think there's there is there's a lot of couples in the team, and okay. I think that is quite so. If one person in a couple is not enjoying football or is having a bad you know run of things that that's going to affect and I think that I don't know if there's any other clubs that have as many like there might be one or two I know in Man City there's a couple like at least one couple I know of um mm. in squad what would uh, Arsenal there's four or five couples on the team like that's going to make and if someone says something or you know I'm not passing the ball to Bet Mead and then all of a sudden Bet Mead's partner is like well you know, you didn't pass to her, so I'm not passing to you. And not that that's a thing. You know, you don't want to think that's a thing, but that's going to play into it. Um, <laughs> no, I love the idea of, like, if Joe, do, Joe will tomorrow interviewing for his next job, going, well, Joe, how do you feel? What, 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 at, towards the end of your Arsenal women's tenure, how do you think happened? Well, ultimately, the team was taken over by rampant lesbianism, and I just couldn't handle it anymore. Just no matter <laughs> what I tried in the tactics board, I just couldn't make it, happen, make it work. <laughs> But I do think there is a dynamic there that um, yeah. you need to keep a lot of people happy, which is fair enough. Like you've got a talented squad, and mm. I think that. But I think maybe the fact that he wants that small squad so that he doesn't have as many of those headaches 
is a bad thing because it no, shows yeah, he's strong enough to make his decisions based on how you're playing or how yeah. you connect. Um, but yeah, no, I'm I'm uh, listening to the WSL commentary the last while. They've got Jane Ludlow on mm. uh, on commentary, and when she's watching Arsenal, she cannot hide how much she loves Arsenal. Yeah. Like she's like, what are you doing? Like there was a there was a I was watching a match. Um, it was before Christmas now. I can't remember who we were playing. Um, but uh, a, there was a passage of play, and she literally goes, "I don't understand that. Why on earth would you put your players in that position?" I feel so sorry for her. And um, whatever it was, Leah <laughs> Williamson was kind of left one on one defending. She ended up making a good tackle and defending it, but she turned around, she was given out to someone who had left her in that position. And she's like, Good on you, girl. <laughs> and it was just like, Yeah, yeah. Um, and she's like, That would never have happened in my day. That sort of a thing. Mm. I'm like, Yeah, we need you back. I'm kind of like, She's left the Wales role and kind of like, people are like, Well, what did she do? She was six years in the Wales role. Wales didn't qualify for the Euros. And it's like, well, apart from, you know, Jess Fishlock and one or two other FAWSL players, how, who, who's in that Welsh squad that would, like, a lot of them are championship players. A lot of them are even lower than that. There's yeah. not many standout players. So, like, I don't think she had too much to work with with the Wales squad. So I don't think she can hold her head too low after not get qualifying. But she did have a great chance and she, she didn't get it. But hmm. she stepped away at the same time that Phil Neville left. Woo! Hey, great day for the parish. And uh, people are like, oh, she's going to take the GB role, but that's been given off to um, Reese. I can't pronounce her name. It's really bad. Reese. Uh, well, it's, it's temporarily Risa, and then uh, the uh, Netherlands assistant, the, ne- the current Netherlands coach takes it uh, after the Euros. Yeah, or whatever the, the England squad. So, yeah, uh, yeah no, Jane Lodeville was in the running, I think, to take the GB role, but she said she wanted to go to club football. So I'm like, Joe out, Jane in. And that's my piece. Very good, very good. Um, so, Neil... Yep. We from one coach well. who likes to kind of funnel his players under the bus to another one, my cut of the week is Steve Bruce. Steve Bruce, yeah. Steve Bruce, who after 18 months and £100 million pounds, uh, still claims that the team is made up of players that aren't his. <laughs> 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 How'd you work that out, Steve? Steve, uh, bats clearly wasn't your fucking strong point in skill, was it? Um, yeah, it's just Steve Bruce. Like he's, it just doesn't look good for Newcastle. And one of the main reasons why I'm going with Bruce as opposed to say Lampard or any other sort of manager is that Bruce seems to have an awful lot of friends who are pundits, <laughs> and yes. none of them will go in on him. Like um, Alan Shearer wrote an article for the gar- for the art for the Athletic, um. And it was just so sycophantic. Mm. He just would not criticize. And I wouldn't even mind, but in all fairness to um, Shearer, he just state at the very beginning that Bruce is a friend of his and that he's yeah. not really going to pile in on him. But then goes on to just... The article. Yeah, then d- just goes on to list like a load of problems with Newcastle, not mentioning that maybe Bruce is one of them. <laughs> because the main problem with Newcastle stems from the players wanting to stick to Rafa Benitez's old 
Um, oh, he's also put the boot into Rafa as well in his recent press conference. I was going to mention that when you were finished there, yeah. The mighty Rafa, he called him. He actually said, mighty Rafa. Mm-hmm. Fucking hell. <sighs> Whatever. <laughs> like living in your man's head. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. if he ever loses his house, he can live rent-free and Rafa's fucking <laughs> What's, what's Spanish for rent-free? Uh... Yeah, um, so basically the players want to play the three at the back that Rafa instilled because Rafa... You just basically recognise they've got six centre backs. Mm-hmm. None of them are quick. Yeah. <laughs> so playing know. only two of yeah. them is suicidal. Yeah. Um, particularly when you consider the sheer lack of midfield cover that they've got. Because they've got John Joe Shelby in front of them who doesn't do anything. Mm. Um, and as the games against Arsenal showed, he can't even be relied upon to do something with a ball that's not moving. Yeah. <laughs> so you can't run you can't pass you can't even do anything dead ball so he's literally an empty jersey um, Longstaff who's a fucking shadow of the player that he was before his ACL injury he's just mm. no faith in his knee you can just clearly see him he's no faith every time he starts to run it's constantly like oh fuck 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 you know kind of that type of sort of that sort of thing so why he's still on the... I know, I understand he may be trying to build up his confidence in his knee, but yeah. like it's very clear he's not getting on the pitch because they're getting mauled. Um, <clears throat> and he just refuses to accept any kind of uh, responsibility for it. Uh, the two games against Arsenal, which I'll pick, like the first game was in the cup. They went with three at the back and they held us nil all over 90 minutes and we only won with a 109th minute goal from Smith Rowe, which he had to fit in off the far post because that was the only way he could, we could fucking beat Darlow. Yeah. Um, who's a fucking incredible keeper. I'm, funnily enough, right, Darlow, I get shades of... Remember when Given shot, signed for Newcastle? Yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> He's a fantastic... I remember at one point he had a four in front of him comprised of four players who all had a different primary language mm. like four different languages in front of me he's like and people are like why isn't their back line talking to each other <laughs> here's a hint they, they can't fucking understand <laughs> <laughs> oh I get with Darlow I get massive shades of when Given was at Newcastle because he's far too good for that team far mm. too good um, and it's not for him they've been they'd have been getting tonked yeah um so yeah, so now the gloves were off after the loss against Arsenal. He's like, gloves are off. I'm fed up listening to my players. We were fucking shite, particularly after the loss to they're the only yes. team to lose to Sheffield. Mm. Um, gloves are off. Now they're going with his preferred back four system, which just isn't going to fucking work. Um, I'll actually and- call it the team because I can remember. I remember like reading the team and going, "Holy shit, this is terrible." So the team was Darlow. It was the back, whatever the back four was. I want to hone in on the midfield because the midfield was Shelby Longstaff, uh, Almiron, and Joe Ellington, right? So Almiron is on the left side of midfield, right? And Joe Ellington is on the right. And the front two is Wilson and Andy Carroll. Now, I don't mind Wilson and Carroll playing together because that does kind of work. If Carroll does a knockdown and Wilson's able to run on, beautiful. That makes sense. Yeah, you're going with the big man, little man up front kind of thing. Kind of like Wilson's a natural poacher, so whatever Carroll is able to pick out pick out of the air, he's able to put it away. Makes complete sense, works perfectly. 
what the fuck is that midfield? Joe Ellington, who is a striker on as right midfield, and Almiron, who is a central attacking midfielder on the left, running in, and Shelby and, and Longstaff holding. So in a sense, you've got like six defenders really for all intents and purposes, and whatever Kraft and um, I, I think and it wasn't Lewis uh, playing; it was someone else. Uh, but it was Kraft on the right, and he was whipping balls in fairly well. But he's not a great yeah. cross of the ball anyway. I, I can't remember; it could have been Yedlin. I can't recall. But um, but never. Oh, it could have been Richie actually, and Richie just never got in the game anyway. So you had Lascelles, and you had like Fernandez then as your as your centre backs, which is fine. They're just like Lascelles was was obviously got COVID still, so he's he's kind of struggling. But just you're not going to get anywhere with that midfield. I, it reminds me of the time where like there was a game apparently when they had like so many injury problems that C. Bruce was forced to play five wingers in the team, as if to, as if the the gun was at his head and said right. You, you and your entire team will be assassinated if you do not try to win this game. It was like, oh, oh, I'll just have to play all my strikers so. Oh, oh, aren't you so brave with that gun to my head? This will make for a great novel. And he just frantically writes the fucking team sheet angrily insisting that they attack. I, I just look at it and go like, you can't. You, you legit can't say this is your game plan if you're going. Oh, I'm gonna put Joe Allenton on the right of midfield and see what he does. Oh, he did nothing. Oh, I'll just pretend to be shocked. Let me just be shocked over you all. Steve Bruce, like one of those managers that you know, the team half the team don't listen to them, and half the team are like, "Oh, this guy's a genius. Yeah, I'm gonna do whatever the coach tells me." But the rest of them yeah. like copped onto him, and they're like, "Yeah." yeah. But you know what the difference is, though? I don't think that work, that's working this season. I think it's working with the players that are only new on the side, like, say, Maximin and uh, Wilson, uh, and perhaps Lewis to a certain extent if he wasn't injured, because they didn't know what it was like with Rafa, right? So uh, when, you, when you go from someone like Rafa Benitez to Steve Bruce, it's like if you're like, if the guy you, you've had, you had a great deal with in work, who was so talented and so, so, so forward thinking and knew everything and, and was your, your guide, your, your, your sensei all the way through and he left for a much bigger job and then came in Terry, the fucking like dickhead who came I, in because my, he's the son of some I, other I, boss. This is an exact replica, exact replica of my time playing football, where my coach yeah. went on to coach um, like a county, inter-county team. And the coach that came up to replace him after being this, like, you know, everything was about like tactics and this is what you do. And this was run laps. Yeah. Run laps. So, run laps. so when you see teams like run that. Teams for run laps. We'll give you <laughs> run laps. And I but. Like, we haven't even seen you bring out the footballs. Do you have the footballs? Would you run the laps and we'll find out? And it's like, <laughs> there's no tactics going on. We're just running. And we, most people can't even run at this stage because we're all fucked from all the running laps from last week. Yeah. Well, the one thing I'll, uh, to kind of bring it back to the, to the argument Neil had about C. Bruce and the easy job he gets from the pundits, I was like looking, I, I, I was watching the. Uh, you say the uh, weekly sexual tension between Neville and Carragher, and just so <laughs> happened that this week was about Steve Bruce or, or at least Newcastle in, in specific. And Carragher was telling, was kind of making the point that, like, yes, the 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 points difference is is negligible between Benitez and Bruce this season, but that's 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 a false alarm because then he compared all the actual statistics that saying that Newcastle is going the wrong way, and that's all absolutely correct. And Neville's going, yeah, but they still got the points. It's like, and Carragher's going, that was the the argument you asshole <laughs> you don't listen to it anymore and 
it's the, it's that kind of thing where like the whole argument has been Bruce is Bruce is not on the same level as Rafa Benitez just because he just happened to win this more games. The reason he's winning is because Callum Wilson is in the team. Rafa didn't have that. Rafa was working with far less fucking players. In fact, he got Rondon in to score goals and Mike Ashley still didn't like him. So he sacked him off to China. Or brought him, sorry, brought him back to West Brom and then he got sacked off to China. You know, so the fact that like you're, like the, every pundit is trying to make this false equivalence between Rafa and Steve Bruce when they're clearly not in the same league tactics-wise and class-wise is mind-boggling. But it's just a level of punditry nowadays. It's just the fact like, well, he's still got the same point. So, you know, it's working. It, something's working. Newcastle has survived, probably. I don't know. Uh, it, it, it's nuts. Like, I, I just don't, I don't understand it. Like, he must have, like, dirt on everybody. Well, it's just, it's fucking awful. Like, he He's plays Carroll. He plays yeah. Andy Carroll, but plays no width. Um, mm. He plays Joe Linton, a striker who can't score goals, but plays him on the left or the right wing. So he can't actually even create goals for the other non-scoring strikers. Well done. <laughs> um, oh, I was just, like, I had no idea. Like, fucking... Um, also, what does what's Manquillo done? Like Manquillo, very little, very little. No, I mean, like, what's he done to not get into this team? Because like he, he hasn't he's done badly on the page. He's not. He's not. He's, he, he 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 provides very little. You know, in in a, in a world where like fullbacks are king and they they are all. I, know, I, I understand he's a limited. I understand he's a limited right back. But mm. like when you look at like look, if you want to see this, check out the second Arsenal goal in the more recent one and look at Kraft mm. trying to track back. It's fucking yeah. criminal. <laughs> I, I, I don't get why Kraft is in the team. I, I, I legit think Kraft's in the team because Bruce doesn't like Yedlin. You know, Yedlin doesn't defend yeah. enough. Yeah. I, don't, I just don't get what's... Like, I can't pronounce your name. You're not certain. <laughs> exactly. It must be like, Mankilo is just too many fucking letters. Too many vowels. Like, That's oh, it. Fuck that shit. Like, yeah. I don't know, like, Steve Bruce has never really done anything to convince me that he's a football manager. He's just a guy with a good career as a player and has dined out on it ever fucking since. And he also Alan Pardew. Pardew, but at least Pardew has had some success. Like, he's not been, he's not ripped up trees or anything like that. Mm. But like... He's been a good player. Yeah, exactly. But like Pardew was a, Pardew was a club hero for Palace. Yeah. You know, he, you know, he was I a mean, one-club player, you know. Okay. It's, it's just it's frightening and the thing about it like for him to go to a club and I, I've said this before like I have a kind of second soft spot for Newcastle for some weird reason yeah and I just like him at that club it's just it's criminal like it's Mike yeah. Ashley at that club it's Mike Ashley yes yeah, it all yeah. stems from Mike Ashley nurse, yeah. but even then like Mike Ashley gave Steve Bruce 100 million quid you know and he mm. fucked it me cork GAA <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Newcastle uh, as sponsored by Cork GAA. Um, Newcastle town, <laughs> Newcastle twinned with Cove. Yeah, <laughs> but, but, uh, I, yeah. I, I like I don't see it. Like they're fifteenth right now. They've got nineteen points, but like they're just they're losing so many fucking games. Like it, it's it's just because I think they they want they managed to win enough games to be kind of the head above water. But if you look at the teams behind them, those teams are better than Newcastle. Like Fulham, I can quite essentially say they are a better team. They are playing the better football. They've got the yeah. better squad. Like yeah, but they're not Brighton. winning any games. Like Fulham have only, 
Fulham have only two wins. Newcastle have five. Now, Newcastle, just behind Newcastle, like they're level on points with Burnley. Yeah. Burnley have five wins as well. It's just that Burnley have a far worse goal difference. Oh, no, they don't. Oh, no, they have the same goal difference as well, actually. It's just yeah. that Burnley have less goals for, like, they've only 10. But, um, like, there's nothing to say that Brighton can't win twice and get ahead of them. That's, exactly. Like, Bright, literally, all that Brighton needs is a goal rush, and they're, they're ahead of Newcastle. That's literally the only thing they're waiting on. Um, Neil Pelpe, you're supposed to score goals. <laughs> no, nah, he's not listening. To you too. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, uh, yeah, like it's 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 got to be like Steve Bruce, like he's a bluffer. Like it's funny, and also he's just an outright liar as well. Like, <laughs> like he's a pure fucking liar. Like he comes into the job right because he he it's it's widely known that he boosts up his salary expectations with his I've never been relegated shtick. Yes. Um. So he boosted up. Like kind of like Allardyce, what Allardyce does, hmm. um, boosts it up. So he he comes in, complains about league interference. He's like, oh, they shouldn't be interfering because the the FA were saying that players shouldn't hug or kiss each other when they celebrate goals because like there's a fucking global pandemic. And he's like, oh no, like that's they, the the government shouldn't be interfering in the league. They shouldn't be doing that. I was like, hang on, a couple of months ago you were asking them to sack off the entire league. <laughs> Because <laughs> you'd realise that the team you inherited or the team you had are absolute gash and aren't going to do anything. I might very well might get relegated. Yeah. So it's like in a few months, in the space of a few months, he's gone from the government need to cancel football altogether to they shouldn't the be telling players how to celebrate. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, but nobody pointed out on him. Nobody pointed out to him. Yeah. That's it. I get it. Like, Mikel Arteta is still getting shit fired back at him that he said months ago, like a couple of weeks, like a couple of months back. Um, there was a, there was a leak about a training ground bust up between Danny Ceballos and David Luiz, mm. and it was mentioned to Arteta in that press conference, and he's like, "I'm going to get to the bottom of who this person leaking shit is," and that was months yeah. ago, and it was actually brought up in his most recent one. Somebody turned around and fired at him. I was like, oh, what about that? The, the, the training ground leaker. Have you said anything about, have you got anything about that? I was like, that's months ago. Like, <laughs> and he, he popped it off. He's like, oh yeah, I, I have some idea of it. He's like, clearly didn't maybe want to. It's, uh, maybe, maybe it's because we're, maybe it's, it's bias here. I know that Liverpool managers or Liverpool players tend to get like a, a, an easier time of it as well. Although there's not many of them compared to the United crowd. But, <laughs> but Ole gets a very easy time of it as well for just being nice. He doesn't say anything, you know. He doesn't. I don't think there's any like genuine tactical mastermind there. He's just a nice guy that people like, you know, the kind of way. That kind of like the way he talks. I think he just comes across as a real sense. <laughs> like they're lulled into like going, yes, yes, that's fine. You are winning matches, of course. The league table's wrong. I'm sorry. Yeah, you keep your job. Um, yeah. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> I think no, he does. He does come across like just like a like a like a granddad, like a, a nice uncle that that takes you fishing. But the problem is, a nice uncle that takes you fishing shouldn't be in charge of a Premier League club. Yeah. Give him give him a stamp collection, you know, let him collect butterflies or something, but not take in charge of a Premier League club. Get the actual experts in. You know what I mean? Write novels so. of football-based murders. Yes. <laughs> Seriously, more, please. I loved it. I loved the first one. Um. So I'll but jump in. Case, like that's 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 yeah. how it's just Bruce and like. His latest stunt was to like just turn around and go. Well, I 
I've done just as well as Rafa Benitez has. No, you know? And again, but he, again, when he says shit like that, nobody turns around and goes, yeah, but Rafa wasn't given a hundred million fucking quid. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Like, can, you imagine, can you imagine this Newcastle team if they, instead of hiring Steve Bruce, they'd be given the 100 million euros, the 100 million pounds to Rafa Benitez? Can you imagine this fucking Newcastle team? In this season, by the way, where like the attrition football that Rafa plays would have been perfect. This would have been brilliant. He'd have been mopping. They'd have definitely been top half. Definitely. Yes, I agree. I totally agree with that. Like, legit, like, nailed on. So... While we're on the topic, we're going to make this a full trifecta of managers here, lads, because Mike Codd, not Jurgen Klopp, that was last week, Frank Lampard, <gasps> right? Oh, shit. Oh, so, genuinely yeah. thought you were Klopp. Yeah, oh, so I, I genuinely thought your, your, your previous rant was your card. Oh, I got that, I got, I got that out of my system now. I've got, big, I've got fresher prey now. Uh, and, and to be fair, like, like the, the Klopp thing was a bit, alarm, was a bit alarmist. This is not. Lampard is completely inept at his job, right? And it's the point he's starting the show. And again, it's that kind of like little thing like, haha, the cows have finally come home to roost type situation. But <laughs> I, would, I would like to see... Yeah, I see a little... yeah, yeah, shut up. Shut up, you. Yeah, see a little cheeky naked gun reference for everyone in the audience there. Um, so I want to do a comparison here, lads. And it's a comparison that Frank Lampard has had to endure every day of his career. Let's compare Frank Lampard with Steven Gerrard, shall we? So, Frank Lampard is currently sitting ninth in the Premier League. Uh, let me just get the stats up here because this is pretty damn. I've actually broken the stream. <laughs> Jonathan, you're broken. Like, you, you literally, you literally paused. The whole thing cut out literally when he went, Frank Lampard, and then it drained <laughs> out. Like, even the very internet itself. The very internet itself just did not have the energy to cope with what you're about to say. It's like, yeah. Just cut it there. Ah, cut it, cut, cut it, it there. there. <laughs> cut it there, right. Okay, let's, 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 that's our comparison here, right? So, uh, Chelsea, Frank Lampard is managing currently Chelsea, who sit eighth and have a goal difference of six, right? Uh, this will be, or sorry, a goal difference of 10. They've lost six games this season, right? They spent, I believe, what? Upwards of 200 million pounds this season, okay? A quarter, quarter of a billion. Quarter of a billion, thank you, Neil. Uh, 29 points this season, all right? Now, let's see what's happening in Scotland, shall we? Um, yeah, Scotland. Everyone likes Scotland, don't they? Um, no. the f- well, we do. Well, I do, anyway, for, for, the, for the case of this one. Rangers, currently owned, uh, managed, not owned, managed by Steven Gerrard. They've played 24 games this season. They've won 21, drawn three. They've lost no games in the league this season. They conceded seven goals this season. They have a goal difference of 53. They currently lead the league by 20 points, right? Now, Steven Gerrard signed nobody this season, right? He kept with more or less, I think there's maybe a loan or signing here or there uh, made permanent, or uh, I think there's a loan for uh, a youngster called Haggy. He's like uh, Jorge Haggy's son. He's in the Rangers side. That's, otherwise, that's the only actual move they made over the summer. Frank Lampard has been given the keys to the kingdom. He's been given 250 million pounds and he's actually made the team worse. Whereas Steven Gerrard has decided um, to compete with Celtic this season. He decided to keep with the players that got him there in the first place. He's been somehow able to keep Morelos at Rangers, despite him being like quote of like 30 million pounds or whatever it is. And would have absolutely made Rangers a financial, like uh, in the black, like for the first time in years. 
So kept Morelos because he knew like if we do this, we can, we're going to break that curse and we're going to get Rangers back uh, top of the championship, which has been proven correct because they're now 20 points clear. But even that, Steven Gerrard has been able to get a team that's only conceded seven goals this season in the league. Okay, granted, it's Scotland. The stand is not great. Just compare that to, with Celtic. Like, it's, it's chalk and cheese. And the difference is because one of those clubs is managed by someone really fucking capable. And it's Steven Gerrard, right? Again, this is not me now trying to overhype Steven Gerrard because I fucking hope to God he'll never be Liverpool manager because the same thing will just happen. That's happening to Lampard. But the difference is Gerrard stayed at Rangers, right? He had chances to go to teams like Derby County, uh, Nottingham Forest. Even Arsenal was apparently interested in, which is bizarre. Frank Lampard left Derby at the first sign of danger. They failed to get promoted and literally just like saw Chelsea was open and took it, right? He literally didn't think anything else but that. He thought he was ready. And ultimately now that he has had a second year into the club, he thinks he knows the club inside and out. He should also know that Chelsea are very, very mercenary when it comes to their managers. And that should be a cautionary tale to any uh, player who thinks they know their club inside out. Because if that was the case, Frank Lampard would have never left Derby County. In fact, I don't think he would have even maybe considered the Chelsea job at any point in his career. He would have stayed away from the club top to bottom. And I think he's just realised that now. Now the fact that he is getting questioned on a weekly basis by journalists, and I wanted to bring this up because I, I showed you this clip earlier on of how he literally just attacked a journalist for, make, for doing an article that was critical of him and his team. And he blames the journalist for the club and the players yeah, it, he basically he made a comment. Is like, oh, if there's anything that's gonna um, shoot the morale of the players, it'll be the articles you're writing. And because I, I I know that because the journalist he's talking to is Liam Twomey. Yes. Um, I was like, I was sitting there thinking, like, well, if there's anything that's gonna shoot the uh, morale of the players, Frank, it's you routinely throwing them on their various buses. Yeah. Uh, Jose style. Um, mm-hmm. so I was like, that, but actually getting rid of players as well. Because I was giving out about this all over the week that, uh, and it was made official today, by the way, that um, they let go of Fikayo Tomori to AC Milan on loan. Yeah. I cannot understand that move for love no money. I genuinely with cannot. the with the bio clause, which you absolutely yes. know with it like a criminally low bio clause. Yeah, you absolutely know that Milan are going to take that. Yeah, because that's how they sign players now. They, they sign on, on loan so that they can basically pay half their wages and go, oh, we'll sign them next season. Juventus like signing free transfers. That's their tactic. But Milan, Roma, even Inter sometimes, they'll get them on loan first, like make them feel like absolute superstars and then sign them permanently next season when they have the money. This is the tactic. And you've literally just, not only have you fallen into the trap, but you're hoping that somehow... Tomori uh, will not look at the fact he's getting first team football for a team that could win Serie A this year or perhaps even the Europa League and think, fuck Chelsea. I'm nothing to them. I'm, I'm king shit here at AC Milan. I'm playing with Zlatan. I'm playing with all this, this young generation of AC Milan players. We can all grow up together and be like a top, t- top team for years to come in Europe. Yeah, Why would I go a back quick, to Chelsea? A quick, a quick aside, I think Arsenal are trying to do that with Odegaard. Possibly. Possibly because he would be in the same age bracket as your as the lads you have in the team now. So that move yeah, he's twenty two now. He's twenty. Yeah, he's twenty twenty one or twenty two. Twenty two. Yeah. Now I know no. Madrid 
like they were insistent that we weren't allowed to put a buyout clause into his into his loan agreement. But there's you can come in with an offer. Like if you if you said to, if you came back next season and said thirty million, they take it because Zidane. Uh, like not for price. Odegaard. I don't think so. Zidane seems yeah, Zidane's a prick. Zidane's a complete prick. He would yeah. totally take that money. I don't. I like. I don't like Zidane. I don't like the way he manages his teams. I think he's like by far the most overrated manager in the world. He's, no, he's managing that Real team like spectacularly, spectacularly ruthlessly. If you get it, like he seems to just like walk in and go. Good throw. Yeah, he's, he, he just mm-hmm. seems to walk in. I don't like you. Don't like you. Don't like you. Don't That's like you. That's not good yeah. management to me. No, I don't. I, I don't agree with that system at all. Like he's just jealous of Tobias's long hair, and he's like, "No, get out my club." And then, <laughs> and like, Sadan, please look. I've shaved my head. Let me come back. Yeah, exactly. That's why because Sabayas like is basically just been, in every interview is just talking about how he wants to go and play well in Madrid. Yeah, just going like, but I know Madrid's like a fucking rolling dumpster fire now. But do you really want to go back there? We're yeah. we're not we're not. I think Arteta's trying to say to him what Mourinho is saying to. Bale is going like, oh, do you want to play football at Spurs or go sit in the bench at Madrid? Yeah. You know, we're going <laughs> to... Sitting on the bench at Spurs. <laughs> I'd rather sit in the bench at Madrid, yeah. But uh, I think we're trying to say that with like um, Ceballos, which hasn't worked, and with Odegaard as well, that we're going to walk up with Odegaard and go, look, you're surrounded by early 20-year-old players. You've got Thomas Partey backing you up. Mm-hmm. Um, You've got free reign over the midfield. Yeah, like, you know... Yeah. You're alongside Emil Smith Rowe, Saka to either side, Martinelli, Shaha, you know, and then you've got the older players like Abamyang to play alongside. Yeah. Here you have a future. Back there, Zidane is what you've he's got seven starts in two years <laughs> under Zidane. Like disgraceful. So, Absolutely yeah. disgraceful. Um I think the, and, it, and it's a bit of a charm offensive. It's the only reason it's the only way I can justify the Odegaard loan. Mm. It's, it's yeah. charm offensive. Yeah, I, I, I certainly want. go along with that. Yeah, um, but you know the 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 real, the real kind of sorry to derail. Sorry to derail. No, no, it, 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 yeah. yeah, but you know it, it's kind of a running theme of like of these kind of like these like fantastic like players in their day suddenly thinking they become um, become managers and they end up being like political piss pots. You know, kind of way. There is a kind of a running theme. And also, like I said this before, it's like did the players not watch the teams that they're going to sign for first before going there? Hmm. So like and just to get back to like Frank Lampard, like did any of the players of like Zayek, Mount well not Mount he didn't sign Mount, um mm. Werner like, all right, fine. All right, yeah. fine, like Zayek, yeah, because he's got a wand of a left foot, but like he can't do anything else. Like surely mm. he must have watched the Chelsea games and thinking, I'm gonna have to do a lot something a lot more than just swing in crosses with my left foot. I'm gonna to have to actually like run, dribble, beat players, yeah, do shit. Like Werner, okay, then fine. Like Chelsea didn't really have a striker, and they've been looking for a very quick, large guy to kind of do a drug bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I understand why he went, but then again, like they aren't giving him anything, and they aren't playing to a strength either. I mean, fucking their last game, they were playing up against a team that had like a criminally high line, mm. and just. There was no balls into the channels whatsoever. The, the tactics were totally wrong. Just yeah. garbage. And this Never team, this team's failings is all purely Frank Lampard. Yeah, I don't. I, I, don't I, I like a normal manager, a proper manager, even somebody who's half decent, 
with a team this fucking good. Like, Jesus Christ, the players they got. Like, you should be mopping up. When you look at when you look at how like a Liverpool team has been like literally decimated from like three long term injuries, Van Dijk, Gomez, and Jota, that team are is like in disarray from just those three players. When you look at the fact that like Chelsea have this literal embarrassment of riches, the fact that like they could lose any three players and they still have more than enough to challenge for a league and are squandering in eighth place, that is not a failing of like squad playing. That's not a failing of anything. That's a failing of management. That's a failing of coaching. And you know what it is. You know what's the next part to replace because this is what Chelsea does. When a part becomes defective, they just fuck it out and replace it with something better or something, or Avram Grant, as a case sometimes but is. But the thing is, that, like, well, what's curious about like Lampard is that he's seems to have something. Like, he's the only Chelsea manager to survive not winning the league. Mm, that's true. That's very like, true. The only, the only Chelsea manager to not win a league, not win the Premier League, and still keep his job the next season. But would season. they put the transfer ban as a, the reason for that? Maybe, yeah. But even you then, know. there were managers available then. You know? Like, True, that's as well, yeah. They would have, they would like Chelsea, Chelsea aren't afraid to pay off their managers. Like, mm. they've been paying, like, Roberto Di Matteo famously was getting, like, 120 grand a week off them for five years after he was yeah. sacked by them because of the terms of his contract. They had to pay his contract off. Mm. So, I mean, like, in, in the time that he's taken the job, lots of really, really fucking good managers have become available. And they've not really attempted even to tap any of them up. You know, mm. like, why aren't they going hard in for Nagelsmann or Tuchel? They've been saying this. They, apparently, that's their shortlist, is, is those two managers. And, like, I'm looking at the... And now, like, fuck Frank Lampard. Like, get them in now at the midpoint and let, like allow him to have this half of the season as a kind of write-off. Maybe. You know, because because the team's getting worse with Lampard. It's just getting worse. Yeah. I feel like um, Lampard should get grinds from Emma Hayes on how to... <laughs> um, and then, like, he'll you know, he'll go off and he'll, like, study how to be a better manager for a few yeah. weeks and then he'll come back and he'll have it all sorted. And it'll actually just be her on the sideline. Going, okay. Okay, get him to pass the ball out to the wings. Down <laughs> the earpiece, like fucking Steve McLaren. That has nothing to do with the match. No, but he is really good looking. And get them to cross the ball into him because he's quite good. Okay. <laughs> I like that. I, I like, uh, that. Sort of like Emma Hayes is going to be a remote control. <laughs> Wait you know, a minute, that's a fake Lampard. That's a fake Lampard. This has got one of those fucking foam uh, bobbleheads heads just there. Yeah, yeah, in a, in a Chelsea Chile. Uh. <laughs> the, the crazy thing is, like that, we were kind of joking at that, but that is legit, like a good idea because Emma Hayes would have had if Emma Hayes was not a bad, was not a good manager, she would have had this exact same problem with Chelsea. How would she have been able to fit all of these like massive moving parts into this team? It's not going to work. You know what I mean? So yeah, I I, I totally go along with that. And the, major that. the major player that has left this, you know, transfer window is a defender, not one of the, as we mentioned before, five strikers that she has <laughs> in rotation. That's it. Um, That's it. Oh, oh there's Lee Charles in there. I forgot Lee Charles. There's six. Yeah. Yeah. So like um, it, it's it's just really weird. Um, like they could get Emma. I'm like, why not Emma Hayes? I mean, like 
I think the Premier League is probably the only league now that's never had a female manager. I mean, like even the NFL have a female manager yeah. for one of the men's teams. Washington, their football manager, their new football manager into the next season is a, a black woman. Yeah. Like, and like this, the, he, she would be coming into a perfect um, group of players to work because they're so young as well. So there's no like, like yeah. nonsense of like pull, if anyone pulling rank because that's put the Quaid is not on the team anymore practically. I would so fucking can, love to see somebody try and pull rank on Emma Hayes. I would, I, I would actually pay money. Hewlett style. She would literally whip out one of those extendable battens and just fucking beat I, it with a I'm tried. I know this is kind of turning into an MFA's love fest, but like um, she obviously was very, uh, none of her players were involved with Dubai Gate and mm. she much took the high horse. Like she was so high up on that horse that <laughs> She was never one for wearing masks on the sideline. You can still hear her chewing chewing gum on the sideline. Um, like kind of big Sam kind of like... Oh, she's gone full Alex Ferguson. Oh, Damn it. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, she like, arrived up to her two post-Christmas matches with like mask on fully. There's elbow touches, no hugging players. <laughs> I'm so much better than all y'all other managers who let your players go to Dubai. (laughs) (laughs) All y'all motherfuckers. (laughs) Like, you know, she, she was, um, she would just, I genuinely, uh, this isn't just me being like, I think she should take the team because she's a woman or whatever. I genuinely think she's an amazing coach. And I genuinely think she could actually, she has the, the stuff to manage men and yeah. manage in the cutthroat world of the Premier League. And I really, I don't think it's going to happen. Like, I absolutely think there's absolutely no chance of it happening. But I, I would just want to... It's isn't it? In, into the ether so that maybe it can manifest. Yeah. No, I, I think it's a good what if. Like, what if she does take control of this team? Because uh, like, you can definitely think, like, they'll be certainly a lot more organised. And there will be certain players who fall on the sword, but like it's because like it's a bloated squad as it is. So yeah, someone's gonna have to go. But at least at least it won't be because Frank Lampard doesn't know what he's doing. At least you can say with Emma Hayes, she has some semblance of management skill. She's actually talented in the post. Frank Lampard got there because he's Frank Lampard. He didn't get there by 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 um, by merit. He got to playoffs with Derby County, and half the team were loanees. Right, that is not. I don't. I like that. Was that is an achievement in of itself? But then look at all the other players from his generation now becoming coaches. Stephen Gerrard is going to win the Scottish League at a canter, which means he can challenge the Europa League, which he did brilliantly in last season with an inferior squad. He has now kept that same squad for a full year, made them better, made them somehow more defensively cohesive, at so much to the point that with a forty-year-old Alan McGregor in goal, they conceded seven. That is insane. That's insane. Someone, people should be talking about this. How how is he making this team so defensively cohesive? Let's let's learn from a good manager here, or at least not even a good manager, but someone who's learning and is perfecting his craft. When Lampard should have been doing the same thing, but he didn't. He chased the, he chased the sun, and now he's get burning up and falling into the fucking sea. Yep. Um, so, call time. Yeah. What are we gonna pick? Well, this is a very tough week. Um, I'm gonna. F- I I am gonna. I'm gonna go out on the limb first, and I'm going to back up my fellow gunner, and I'm gonna go with Joe out. Wow, Neil, interesting. It, look, in all fairness, if, you, if, if you've got Vivian Miedema mm. and you can't get her scoring goals, 
you you're doing wrong. Like you could dope that woman up to the eyeballs on ketamine. Yeah. And she would still manage to shank it in at some point. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> yeah. like if she's not scoring goals, the problem is not her. The problem is you. And obviously uh, that's a, a horrendous boil down topic, but we've already discussed that length Arsenal's yes. issues. Not yeah. just, oh, Medium is not racking up goals and four assists every single fucking game. Yeah. Um, but it, it, that's just the thing. Like, the team's so dysfunctional that literally the best goal scorer on the planet can't score goals. Mm. Like, what's going wrong there? The team's the same. Yeah. I, you know, I, your, it's your tactics, pal. Yeah. You know? How about yourself, Bert Bok? What's your pick? Ooh, um, I, I, I did really enjoy your takedown of Frank Lampard. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> I really enjoyed that myself. I felt better, you know? I was um, gonna go for I was gonna go for his clop rant until I realised that wasn't part of it. Yeah, yeah, in fairness. <laughs> I'm gonna vote clop as the card of the week. I'm gonna no, vote clop. Yeah, 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 well, actually, yeah, I'll switch to clop then as well. Yeah, fuck that. <laughs> no, you had your chance last week, lads. Fuck off. <laughs> fuck yes. Um, no, uh, do you know what? I, I'm I'm actually my pick for COD, and uh, I'm actually quite glad this was brought up because for the longest time I thought this fella was the most overhyped, um, overrated manager that everyone had ever spoke about. So my COD is Joe Montemoro. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> from every Arsenal game, women's game I've watched in like say okay, it's it's grand when you're up against like the likes of your Bristol's, your Birmingham's, and you can like swipe swapping away with world class players. When he actively has to like face a Leon or a Chelsea team, the guy doesn't actually know what he's doing. He's he thinks he's Pep Guardiola. He thinks he's got the like the cheat codes to women's football or just football generally. I'm looking thinking like, mate, you are managing a squad of 18 players and you've designed it so that you're managing such a small squad and is then complaining when players get injured at a club called Arsenal, where literally <laughs> You walk in on crutches half the time and then complain about like not having the facilities, not having the squad, not having the numbers, whatever the fuck. Yeah, I'm, I'm missing the amount of uh, like Arsenal injury memes that were, we're not getting as many memes this season. I no. like the, the memes from last it's season. Very much a medium <laughs> on the squad as well. They have not been posted. Like last lockdown, I was telling you about, oh, my battery's going to go, I'm going to be cut off this call. Um, <laughs> I was telling you about like all the TikToks and all the fun things that were happening. None of that. The no. Arsenal Q&A for the members for the women has been postponed three times because players have not been able to do it. And like, I don't know if they're not able to do it or they're just like, I don't want to do it. It's not a happy camp. So, uh, it is. Yeah. Nevertheless, lads, yeah. before Burkbot like disappears into the ether herself, we are going to wrap up this podcast. We've been talking long enough, but we've enjoyed Ooh. it. It's been a hell of a session. It's been emotional. Um, getting all this stuff off our chest and we'll do it again uh, very very soon but uh, but yes if you have lasted the distance thank you very much for listening to the Liquid Football Podcast it's been a pleasure uh, talking to yourselves Neil and Burkbot as ever and we'll do this again sometime when football, the landscape of football has changed yet again will Emmett Hayes be the Chelsea manager will Jurgen Klopp be sacked will Maurizio Pochettino still have the coronavirus who knows nobody knows the coronavirus might even win the Premier League itself at this point it's hard to tell but nevertheless, uh, thank you very much for listening to this show. Please, by all means, follow us on Spotify for more of the same. 
Uh, we do bi-weekly podcasts and we do a whole rake of stuff on YouTube. So please subscribe to us on that as well. So, but for now, lads, thank you very much to what listening to this podcast. I've been Jonathan. That's been Burkbot. That's been Neil. And that has been Liquid Football. <laughs>